right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. DJ Pie to my left. Hello, Pie Man. Hello, Solly. How are you? I am wonderful. TC is here. Hello, TC. Good afternoon. Hello, Solly. Congrats to your Mountaineers. Oh, big win. Big home win. We have a lot to talk. We're actually recording this podcast a little bit early. So early, in fact, that uh, we're going to... Our copy here from from DraftKings is telling us that the Fall Classic is upon us. The DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the 2021 World Series, has a no-brainer offer you have to take a swing at. Now, this we have Game 5 is tonight, and if the Braves win this thing, then this this copy will not... Let, be, me, let me stop right there. That's, a, not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I grew up as a Braves fan. I've been to probably 13, 15 World Series games. I think they've won... One, maybe two of those. <laughs> I can just assure you that the Braves are not going to win. Today. And DraftKings is saying the same thing because they're telling you that they're, you're going to have opportunities to play uh, game six and maybe game seven. New customers can bet $1 on any World Series game and win $100 in free bets if either team gets a hit. Uh, I don't expect that we would see a double no hitter, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. DK is calling is calling some <laughs> be stuff. Happy right to here. lose my dollar if that was the case. Well, it, could, well it's impossible to have a double no hitter. They just well, they'd have playing. to. Eventually, there'd have to be. Or they, no, or they have to score. walk in. A, yeah, you could score. Right? Uh, you can also do same game parlays. You can combine multiple bets from the same game for bigger payouts on the DraftKings sportsbook. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Just bet $1 on any World Series game and win $100 in free bets if either team gets a hit. That's promo code NLU at the DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the 2021 World Series. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Major League Baseball trademarks and copyrights are used with permission of Major League Baseball. Visit MLB.com. Huge. Shout out to Rob Manfred for, for signing off on that. We are going to preface everything we talk about about a million times. But the first thing we're going to say is it is 11.39 a.m. on Sunday. We're going early here. The Butterfield is currently being played. We're going to talk about that in the back half. Butterfield. We're watching <laughs> it. literally made me laugh when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> we are watching it here as we record. But the majority of this show, if not the whole show, is going to be about some developments that happened in the world of golf this past week. It's going to be what did we know and when did we know it here today. Talking about... Uh, SGL, Saudi Golf League, Live Under Par Golf, uh, all kinds of developments. We're going to talk some PGL has got some irons in the fire. Things are moving there. But wait, DJ, I thought they were the same thing. Saudi, that's a great question, man. They're not the same thing. And we're going to get into into why. A couple things to preface, I think, here. Number one, no huge reveals in this podcast. Let's just get out in front of that. I don't want someone, this is probably going to be an eight-hour podcast. I don't want somebody to get to the end and be like, you didn't tell me that you know, so-and-so is jumping next week. That's not going to happen. There's we, a lot of known unknowns. A lot of known Shout unknowns. Shout out to Rummy. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of, you know, we can make our best guesses on which players we think may jump ship if players do jump ship, but uh, we're not going to have any of those out here. So let's let's just get out in front of that. There is a very much a, there is so much smoke out there, and the smoke is legitimate. Yeah. It does not mean that the, the fire is definitive, I will it, say It could that. be white smoke, could be black smoke, <laughs> it could be green smoke. 
Uh, and I we're think, not prejudiced against any kind of smoke in this house. I, I think we can say definitively that there is one man that will be jumping ship, Mr. Coke. Jason Coke. <laughs> And to be clear, we're putting that in the joke category of uh, everything that we're going to talk about today. But I will, if you're Jason Kokrak and someone offers you $20 million to go play golf, I would I would say you take it. But that's neither here nor there. Number two, I, I wanted to get out in front of this too. I think we're going to try to keep the moralizing to practical use, if that makes sense. I think there's been a lot of – I've been like very – I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but I just heard so much stuff about this behind the scenes and – you know, when you really start extrapolating out like what we're actually talking about here, which is that maybe or maybe not some of the best players in the world are sitting in a room talking about maybe or maybe not leaving the PGA Tour and an upstart league trying to basically upend pro golf over the next 10 years. It's driven me to a point of that's very much like, why the fuck is everybody not talking about this? This is insane. In a serious fashion. In a serious fashion. Yeah. And and listen, it's nobody gets off more jokes and gifs and memes and all that stuff, but it... it has gotten very tiresome that the only dialogue around this is just like, oh, hope they, hope they get their bone saws ready. <laughs> which, guilty. <laughs> which, of course, of course. <laughs> he looked at TC as he said that. But what I will say is, like, I think even, even we have spent the last seven days talking to agents, talking to top 50, top 30, top 20 players in the world about what they're thinking, what's going on, what are they hearing, what's who's committed, who's not committed, like talking to agents, talking to organizers of these things. Like I feel very, very confident without, you know, sounding like a tool or fluffing ourselves too much that we've, we've put in a lot of work here for this eight hour podcast that we're about to do. And I feel very confident we know as much or, or more than most media outlets about this topic. And I, I feel pumped that we're actually giving it the due time to, to talk about it here. Cause I think it's wildly important and we're going to do our best to identify what the facts are and what the general speculation is between the two and it is interesting because the more strings you pull the more like the announcements that came out this week the train is leaving the station on the saudi golf league the super golf league whatever you want to call it they are moving ahead it might be one car on the train it might be six cars on the train but there is a train and it's leaving the station. there is a train they made an announcement this week we'll talk about that we'll go through all of that who is aboard that train is still a giant question mark. So, like, we're going to let's lay out the well, let's just go right into it, laying out the facts that we learned this week or what we know about the SGL. Which as I it think is it's now. technically SLG, the, the Super League Golf was originally how it was announced. I always have it as SGL for, for points, you know, <laughs> for the, the purposes facts. of this podcast. We'll call it the SGL, but starting now, we'll use facts. The first thing to talk about and, and what really kicked all this off, I mean, we were talking about it on the podcast a lot last week, like, hey, Buckle up, like some stuff's some stuff's about to go down. And one of the things that apparently went down this week was an embargoed media, I don't know what you call it, kind of like a press conference or press meeting uh, in New a, York. A junket? Perhaps? A junket, yeah, sure. I, I like that. Like a Super Bowl media day of uh, just, well, we're not going to moralize. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, apparently in, in New York, there was a meeting this week with some hand-picked media outlets. A lot of people were very loud to beat their chests about not being invited, which is always <laughs> sick because like Golf Week, I think, was the one that uh, reported the news that we'll get to next. But they were very like, hey, we've been critical about these Saudi golf endeavors in the past, and we were very much not invited to this meeting. Golf Channel, same boat. Uh, I don't know if Golf Digest was there or not. If we were reading the tea leaves, it seemed like some stuff from golf.com. Golf Magazine came out Gol after the embargo. Golf.com. Golf.com, <laughs> as TZ is 
taken to calling them, as many people are calling Which them. That one read like Bamberger was being like held hostage with, with a gun to his head. It seemed like he was grit, yeah, smiling through through gritted teeth a little bit in that piece. But the news that Golf Week did break was that we have uh, apparently an announcement of a 10 event series, which will be part of the Asian Tour's larger 25 event uh, season schedule. So this is all backed by the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. And this is all being put on by a company called Live Golf, Live, live Under Par Golf Investments. We're sticking uh, to the facts here. No that's jokes, right. DJ. You're right, you're right. No jokes. This is not funny. Uh, they are going to be headed up by CEO by the name of Gregory Norman, an Australian guy. And the used CMO to, is Joe Arcuri. Used to play, <laughs> used to play some golf. Again, uh, that's a joke category. The, Greg Norman is very much the CEO. Greg though. Norman is very much in. So he is uh, stepping aside from his Greg Norman Enterprises, Greg Norman Company, Shark Enterprises, uh, whatever it's called. To focus on this 100%, Bob Herrig of ESPN reported that he has signed on for a four to seven year commitment to basically run this 10 event series. Do we need to unpack anything from that? I think event series is noteworthy. It is not a league. It is a part of the Asian tour. A big question mark within all this has been how the official world golf ranking is going to work. How does it work if you, you know, is this involved breaking off from the PGA tour? Do you get banned from the PGA tour for playing in this event series? As part of the Asian tour, which is uh, the Asian tour is part of the official world golf rankings. You know, the whole board, the way the OWGR board works is a whole different conversation. But I do find it interesting that this is engulfed within the Asian tour, I think would make it really hard in my mind for the tour to go after people that played in this. I it was would a totally agree. It was a jujitsu move from them. This was a very, the investment in the, in the Asian tour was what? Two hundred million dollars over. Well, that's what they. That's what they. Yes, exactly. Is that separate or is that the same? Because I read that as separate. I, I mean, they're, two, they're it, also doing two hundred million dollars to prop up a bunch of Asian tour events and make those bigger. I agree because if you do, we're talking ten events, ten years, hundred events, two hundred exactly. million dollars is not the kind of money exactly. we're talking about. We're not right. talking about two million dollars per event of this event series. Yep. So, two hundred million dollar. I wouldn't call it a bribe. That's not the <laughs> word I'm looking for, but it's very much of like, hey, here's the money, yo. Yeah. We got to go do this series as well. And I think the Asian tour has notoriously been been pretty mired and kind of left behind with, you know, all the growth of the PJ tour and the European tour and a lot of the stuff they've done together and uh, obviously a massive potential growth spot in the world of golf. That's why you've seen so many PJ tour events and European tour events kind of try to get a foothold in certain Asian markets. And so it's just... It's very, very interesting, like you said, that partnering with the Asian Tour is a massive, massive significant part of this. And I don't know if there is a name for the event series, but if I were to name it, it would be the, and I took that personally, Tour. <laughs> and, why, and why do you say that? Because we have one thing being, again, a clarifying point on this, that the Saudi Golf League is different than the Premier Golf League. We started talking about the Premier Golf League almost two years ago on this show. Part of the money, uh, allegedly or confirmed, I'm not even positive, Maybe five to ten percent of the money that, that came with the PGL was coming from this, uh, you know, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. A lot of people portrayed that as all of the money coming from that. Um, the messaging was very unclear on that, but the Premier Golf League guys either took the initiative to uh, divest from that to say, "All right, we got no more Saudi money." That wasn't even a big part of it, you guys. That was a storyline. We don't want the Saudi money anyways. Let's go do our thing. And the Saudis said, and I took that personally, and allegedly, uh, according to sources within the PGL, say they 100% stole our idea. This is a totally separate league that they went off, event series league, whatever you want to call it, went off and started 
with their money. They took their money and went and just tried to copy it, basically, which has muddied the waters greatly because PGL, which we're going to talk about on the back end, has se- seemingly gone to the back burner, which we could, we'll, again, we'll discuss. So that's that's taking it personally, one. Yeah, I was going to say, talk, talk to me about taking it personally, number two. I don't know if you if we're going to that one yet, but the next one's Greg Norman. That's what I was talking okay. about. Okay, Greg Norman. Who we'll tried, talk about number three. Okay, later. tried to start a world tour in 1994 and was basically thwarted by the PGA Tour and Tim Fincham and Arnold Palmer. And I, I, I admittedly need like a full background on that whole situation, but he is now the CEO of this breakaway league slash event series. I think the gist of it was Norman was not pumped about the minimum number of events that he had to play to be a PJ tour member, because what he was saying was, listen, if I can play X number of events and keep my card and do my thing, why do I need to play, you know, this minimum? Because that's times of the year where I could be traveling around the world and making more money through appearance fees and or play at home. All in of Australia. All, yeah, exactly. All of this stuff. And so he was trying, and this is probably a bad recap of this and somebody who, you know, covered this much more extensively can probably give you a better breakdown, but yeah, he tried to get, a very similar thing. I think Jason Sobel tweeted. Uh, it was really funny to see two headlines like 25, 27 years apart or whatever, like Norman to head up world tour. <laughs> and uh, it's just really funny how that's just been on the back burner, I, obviously in his mind for a really, really long time. Let's let's stick on Greg Norman for a second. What does the announcement of him joining this mean? What, why do you think they did it? And does this have any credibility with players? Does it seem like something that's going to help attract players what do you guys think on that i think it's it's detrimental on the player front like the players seem like they hate norman he's he's a he's a cartoon character right it does not i, I they, yeah from some of the conversations we had this past week i don't think again we haven't gotten to the trump part yet but we're talking about at minimum regardless should, of should what we stick you, to all the facts well here i'm just saying we like if we're talking about does this give it yeah. gravitas or anything like saudi arabia money Greg Norman, Trump, the chances that that is like not polarizing some like the amount of like ways you got to weave through to be like, oh, yeah, that's 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 what I stand for right there. It's a it thins the population. It does. It does. It really does. So to answer your question on the Greg Norman thing, I don't think it helps. Now, I think, again, we're talking about this SGL thing, the train leaving the station. They're adamant that it's like, here's the event series. Here's when it starts. Here is our guy. Like, this is a real thing. We have a commissioner, and we are going. And I think for their purposes, a big name to run it is their goal, right? Because, again, the train's leaving, but we they don't have, as far as I can tell, anyone confirmed that has bought a ticket on this train or has been gifted a ticket. Well, and I think – so there's credibility from from the in the public eye. Yes. But maybe not in the stakeholders' eyes. Uh, but, you know, they, they need – like, they needed action. Right. Whereas I think the PGO, which we'll get to, you know, is is more. We're kind of working behind the scenes to, you know, do this stuff. But basically, the SGL is like, hey, we we want to make this. We're gonna set all this stuff up and then show you that you know what, maybe year one nobody shows up, but we're still gonna do it. And I want to point out again, we know it's not called the SGL, but we're just gonna keep saying <laughs> that's that. fine. Uh, <laughs> I just want this this kind of. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that meme where there's like uh, two rabbits. And they are holding uh, care like the uh, there's a carrot growing out of the ground, and one of the rabbits has enormous greenery on the top of his carrot, and he's boastfully standing next to it. And then the other guy is kind of sheepishly standing there because the greenery that's above the ground is very small, but the carrot under the ground is enormous. That's what the, the SGL versus the PGL <laughs> kind of feels like to me, right? It feels yeah. like. 
they're it's kind of a Theranos vibe of like, <laughs> yo, we are, this is, we're leaving the station. We're going. And I don't know if there's anything in the back. I don't know if there's horses in the back, but <laughs> it might suck, but we're doing it. We are doing it. And, uh, I think, again, I think that's important to kind of keep, keep in mind here because I think we're going to get a lot of PR, a lot of messaging from this league and like dude, talking to agents, players, and everyone's just kind of like, yeah, dude, I don't know who's playing in this. Like, it's it's not like it's just sitting there secretly. Everyone's agreed to go. It's it's not there yet. But on some level, like you've got guys like let's say like a Jazz Janana Wonton or whatever. They, like Janana Like he could make so, like a guy like that who's kind of a you know top hundred guy in the world, but really doesn't have any foothold in the U.S. Or like some of these world guys could could go and make like oodles of money. Hundred percent. Yeah, and so, all right. So let, let's get back okay. to that because that's a very important. That's a very important point that I want to talk about more. Let's get through all the all the facts here. So you mentioned Trump a couple times. Again, we're sticking to the facts here. What do we know? When did we know it? Reported by NoLayingUp.com, the golf blog. The no golf laying blog. it up. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a great story. <laughs> that was the last time we talked about I was, Trump. I was, yeah. was going to say last time. Uh, we got the inside intel that Rory had played with Trump. We were the, the first to report that, and it made CNN, it made The Tonight Show, it made everywhere, and they called us the golf blog, no laying it up. Seeing Anderson Cooper on TV. <laughs> According to the golf blog, no laying it up. And that was the first retraction or, or clarification that, <laughs> that the, the Trump White House had to make. Exactly. That was, that's a whole separate story. So what did, what did we find out this week? We found out that... At least one Trump property, which is Bedminster, was a site visit was made uh, this past week planning a August 2022 event uh, at Bedminster. Which also, not, not far away. Not far away. <laughs> and and I've directly e- in conflict with the FedEx Cup. Yeah. I even heard they were trying to have an event December 2021. Like, I don't know if that's included in this 10 event schedule, but it like, they are pushing for one. It would be tough there. <laughs> Also, other Trump properties rumored to be uh, reported to be considered are Dubai and Trump Turnberry. Also heard separately, like some people talking about Doral that was not originally, you know, within the source that, you know, passed along this information. But yes, it seems like act three of the and I took that personally yeah. uh, for Trump losing his 2017 or uh, sorry, the 2022 PGA championship at Bedminster for him losing you know, the Turnberry falling out of the Rota for Doral. Uh, you know, going falling off the PGA Tour schedule that he wanted to be involved with this in, golf in league. In favor of Grupo Salinas. The, yeah. the uh, Mexico to, Exactly, trying to improve Mexico's image. their standing in the worldwide stage. So this, in my mind, this this helps, this does help paint the picture for like how real these this event series is going to be. Like the, the events sound like they're going to be played. Figuring out who the hell is going to be playing in them is the next frontier, and that's where... We will be very upfront that it is all speculation. And it seems like, based on all sources that we've spoken with, that there is a ton of pitting players against each other. I don't know if we want to talk about that now, or if we want to stick to facts for now, but it seems like a lot of telling people like, hey, so-and-so's in. All right, well, actually, he's really not. Uh, they're going around to a bunch of different players. Well, it sounds like a lot guys. of like so-and-so took a meeting, like so they're definitely in. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, well, we had a meeting with X, so like he's, I mean... He, that sounds like Xander Shoffley. That's not what I meant. <laughs> we, had a, we had a meeting with X player. Like he's, you know, so he's definitely in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't think that's the case. Right. Do Is there anything we can speculate on? Like who, what types of players might be a good fit? Who, who could be, whose it, ears are perking up on this kind of stuff? I, th- I think, A, it seems like the guys that are like, like they're, they're international players. They play Euro tour, Asian tour, and or 
PGA Tour, like, but they're not like them going to this wouldn't sink their career per se. I, I um, think for me, it, it and breaks also, down into like three buckets, like right? the like the, and then I think the second bucket is the is the big big names that like are kind of past superstars. Prom. Yeah, I think aging superstars is one, and I think this is totally hypothetical. I'm I'm not reporting any of these people to be jumping, but I think in that bucket you would put your you know, a lot of the people we saw like requesting releases for the Saudi International, and we'll we'll get to that. But I think that's your, like Phil Mickelson, obviously is kind of the most rumored name. I think that's not breaking any news. That's you hear that kind of from everybody. Uh, I think Stenson. I think Adam Scott. I think Justin Rose. I think like some of those guys that are like, hey, I've done pretty much everything on the PGA Tour, and you're going to give me. 20 30 50 million dollars to yeah. go play this event series for three years like hell yeah i'm in and i want to be very clear that as of october 31st when we're recording this we can almost certainly report that they have no one has signed on to this yeah like none of those guys have committed Correct. but those are the names you keep hearing as being interested and again i think like the league is taking those guys and going to bryson and going to dj and going to brooks and saying we got these guys. Are you in? And then their feedback is like, well, if he does it, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, well, he's doing it. Okay, so will you do it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Is he really actually doing it? And that's where it honestly seems where everything is sitting right now. It seems like a house of cards both ways, right? Where it's like a house of cards in that if if you do get critical mass to jump, then all of a sudden it becomes a very interesting conversation where it's like, holy shit, if they have you know this set of players and they they start to get a foothold and they start to get momentum, then all of a sudden it's like, what if they sign like these new, you know, up and coming stars? What well, if that's, they that's what if they like head off? Bucket, right. right. It, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can get to that in a second. But let me hit off a couple more things. One, I think the big massive question mark with a lot of the Saudi stuff is what happens with the Saudi International, which is their event uh, that's taken place for, what three years now in in Saudi Arabia. And as far as the release. You know, outlines that will now become the flagship event of the uh, of the Asian Tour, which I'm sure the Players Championship and the Wentworth event love being, you know, <laughs> using that language to kind of uh, put that on on the same level. But uh, we should call it the Asian Players. <laughs> that would go well, I'm the sure. Sa- the BMW Asian Players <laughs> Championship, the, Sa- the Saudi Masters. <laughs> <laughs> and then this was reported a couple weeks ago now, but. Eight players uh, have requested a release to play in the Saudi International. Saudi, why is that a big deal? Because the PGA Tour has said they will not grant releases for Correct. this. Correct. And I don't know if that was before it joined the Asian Tour. No, it was like how I understand it, the strategic alliance between the U.S. and European Tour, part of that alliance was like, hey, you got to drop Saudi. Like you can no longer sanction that event. European did that. European Tour did that. And I took that personally. They went to the Asian tour. That whole that that's my understanding of of this order of operations. Which I think a very interesting question that that brings up is, can the like do Euro tour players have to get releases to go to the Saudi? Yeah, let's yes. say they're not PGA tour players. They're only they're like a you know I'm trying to think um, just a Euro tour only guy like a Eddie Pepperell. Like would he have to get a release to go from the European tour? Yeah. That's a yeah. good question. I, I would assume yes. That would be my guess. Well, I think it used to be. I mean, it used to be co-sanctioned, right, with the European tour. Mm-hmm. And now that it's not anymore, I would assume they do. Okay. But I don't know. Uh, but those eight players, just for those keeping score at home, Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell, uh, those two players have won the three iterations of this tournament, I believe. Abe Answer, kind of a surprising one. Lee Westwood, I forgot to mention him, but it maybe put him in that aging superstar bucket. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, a little... Curious how I feel about that one. No moralizing. We'll save that for later. Henrik Stenson, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Na is kind of 
whatever. And uh, Jason Kokrak, who is, uh, I believe, an ambassador for Golf Thought. Yes. Very cool. And then the last bit of news I think worth... <laughs> Very worth, cool. <laughs> the last bit of news I think worth reporting was just, and this is pretty nonspecific, but just there was a, a mention in the press release about uh, several high-profile C-suite-level executives being hired by this league. Only one that we've heard the names aren't, you know, they don't super matter, but I heard like a name like Ron Cross is a guy who used to work for both Augusta National, he used to work for the PJ Tour in the commissioner's office. He's like a very, you know, lack of a better term, like a very serious guy. Real right? deal. Like, like a, a fixer. Yeah, just kind of, of like a very... Uh, special projects Like division. a very legitimate executive, right? And I think that seeing... <laughs> Like, I, Greg Norman's not a very legitimate executive. Like, when it if comes we're being to, totally yeah. honest here, it's a bunch of, like, fucking cartoon characters involved in this thing so far. Like you said about Norman, it's it's just, like, this cartoonishly, I won't say evil. That's not the word I'm going to use. But uh, it's just this, like... It's like a sideshow. It's a total sideshow. And then so to see, like, legitimate executives get involved is, I think, noteworthy. But also, he's a guy that got let go by the tour and... Which I don't know. Easily make a bunch of money now, right? Don't know the details of that, but and and the other guy we heard too is is Slugger. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was trying to keep. I was going to keep that one up the sleeve. I don't know how how confirmed that is, but yeah, definitely heard. I've heard that from more than one source. Slugger White, dozens of people talking about cartoon characters. (laughs) And and I just want to be clear on the Norman front. Like, of course, Norman has been, I would say, very successful in his off course ventures, and has been a very successful businessman. But I say, like, executive, like executive, like running a world tour. He does not have that experience, right? Perfect. I mean, so that Ron Cross fills that, I, I think, fills that void, I think, yeah. to that point. Puts more validity behind this, I, I think, think so. I think that, you know, the Saudis should be concerned if they're bringing in Slugger to, to kind of, because I guess Slugger and Norman go way back. You know, Slugger's not exactly imposing Sharia law out there <laughs> on the tour. You know, he's not exactly very, very strict. Well, now guys. he's got yeah. Now he's got a new uh, maybe a new rule book behind him. <laughs> he can he can enforce. He doesn't work for the players anymore. So all of that's I think kind of all. Did we miss anything? I think that's kind of all the news that's come out. Everything that we know about the SGL or whatever they'll they'll end up calling it. But I think what makes it really interesting to me is we're kind of in a bit of a a face off now, just between all the money, all the people who have spent their entire lives kind of proving like money rules everything. If I have money, I can do whatever I want. And on the other side of the chasm is all these players who haven't jumped yet, right? And so it's just going to be really fascinating to see all these people just saying like, I can buy anything I want versus these players who have to sign on, right? To, to some extent. And I think there's a, a conversation to be had, and maybe we have that now, about what the long-term effects of something like this can be and what what it looks like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, if they have the investment to keep doing it. Because I think there's something very interesting about this idea of, you know, someone brought up on on Twitter earlier this week, like Victor Hovland, if we're, you know, shifting all this stuff back three years, like, is this something Victor Hovland would have signed up for? And when you think about it that way, it kind of makes your head spin a little bit just about, Hey, Victor, you know, you, congratulations. You just won the USAM. You've made eight cuts on the PGA Tour. Would you like to go grind in Columbus and Boise and all these places to try to get your Corn Ferry card? Or would you like to have $20 million to come play our 10 events? What, what would you prefer? Well, By the way, your 10 events, you can earn OWGR points and work your way into the majors probably much faster. And and win another 15 to 20 million playing right. the events too. Where like, I think that's something where I think, because some of this boils down to agency stuff too, right? Where... You know, you've got guys at 
like like the Wasserman guys, those are the guys that I've constantly heard that like the Saudis are very, very keen on like like just putting it out there, Ricky Fowler. Like they've said, like, hey, we want Ricky Fowler. Ricky's interested in it. Like, you know, I don't know what the discussions have been, but for a guy like Ricky who's, you know, in his mid thirties now, uh or how old's Ricky? Thirty two, thirty three? Probably thirty thirties, yeah. Yeah. yeah about to start a family, like for him to get let's say let's say they give Ricky a hundred hundred and fifty million dollars and Ricky you know, can basically ride that's, off into the sunshine. That's sunset. so much Just money. Rushing that totally. off, yeah, <laughs> totally. So much money. And then you know, and like, and then like, I've heard that Finau, J Day, and Hovland are kind of their other like big, big targets, immediate targets. So I think what again, what gets really interesting. I, I think I when a lot of this stuff was first being talked about, I think I was probably very in the camp of like, and you got to remember this was all before the car accident and before a lot of other stuff. But it was very like, well, if they don't get Tiger, like it's over. Nobody's gonna care. It's it's gonna be totally you know, no juice, it's going to all be fake. And then when I, the more I start thinking about it, the more that 10 year investment becomes very interesting to me, right? Where it's like, maybe they're not trying to have a big, massive critical mass right away. Maybe it's like, Hey, if we can get Phil and Stenson and Rose and Adam Scott, and then fill up the rest of the field with a bunch of, you know, either European tour journeymen or these people who are like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll sign up and and take the money instead I, of going to corn ferry tour then i think it can yeah it almost feels like then it chips away at a especially if it's a league built around being an entertainment product especially if it's you know what i mean let's at this point i think it's worth noting just like what is the goal of this right. league right and it's i don't think in any way is it to be like financially solvent no right okay. it is a burning through oodles and oodles and oodles of cash which they have to do what their their goal is, which is sports washing a human's rights record. That's like and the goal also, of what they're doing. And also I think to like I think they do legitimately want to be a tourist destination. Like who wants to go to Saudi Arabia for vacation? That's beyond me. But like if you think about in twenty years Dubai, you heard about 20 Jack's or, vision like twenty for... yeah. Like twenty or thirty years past. I mean, think about Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Like yeah. who who would have thought those places? So yeah, I mean Jack's vision for the Kadia that, you know, <laughs> golf.com is has uh reported extensively on I, I know they're building a ton of golf courses so, so so some of this is to support the investments that they're already making but clearly it's you know like so some of it is diversifying their economy but also a like a large portion of it is just like hey let's shift the narrative around Saudi exactly Arabia. so it's not to do like what our, what well, I think brought us in on the PGL side of like a brand new vision for how golf is to be displayed to golf fans and all that no this is like Sound to be honest, it sounds like the PGA Tour, but way worse <laughs> for, yeah, for, sure. for golf fans. Like it doesn't. Yeah. I don't know who's broadcasting any of this. We can talk about that. I don't know what the benefits really are for golf fans, but I don't think that's the point. Like so, for them, I think that is a important note because if they don't get these big names, it that is still along that theme of like the trains leaving the station. They're going even if they don't get the big names. They're fine to burn through this cash to give it to Kokrak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too they. they there's kind of an example here with the Aramco Ladies Series, right? Where they've they've been putting this on for how long now? Uh, they started that in 2020. They've done four events so far. The next one's next or uh, in about two weeks in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Um, but you know, it's like I don't know, I don't I, like I still don't know what that is, right? It's just this Ladies Series that there's an individual thing, there's a team component of it, but. It all seems so ham-fisted and just like doing it just to do it instead of, you know. But but I think that that also kind of serves as a good example of they will like they have no shame in using 
ladies golf or, you know, different formats or co-ed golf as, as kind of a, a cudgel here and saying, Hey, like this is, this is, you know, we're going to do some equitable stuff here and kind of try to flip the script and, and, and kind of push yeah. the narrative back on the woke mob. Right? A, lo a lot of it feels like you can't, you can't get me on that. Look at what we're doing over exactly. here, you know, which puts the ladies in like a really fucking weird spot, you know? And I think some of them have, have talked about that. And I know our young hitter, Megan McLaren wrote a, a nice piece about that and how conflicted she was about going over there initially. And then eventually got to the point when this is, I think a larger conversation where <laughs> Again, putting all the the moralizing aside and and all the columns about you know what this means and oh my god like this is gonna you know this says this about you and X Y and Z. It's just really interesting to see what's gonna win out, right? And if I'm being really fucking cynical here and like it's depressing, but man, it's a lot of money, and it just seems like when we're talking about it over the course of 10, 15, 20 years, like. Yeah, you brought up the Abu Dhabi and Dubai and like how many of those conversations do they still get attached to, right? Yeah. Just kind of people eventually people move on and people, you know, it just kind of becomes part of life. Like Sally, you were at the Aramco uh, F1 <laughs> F1 race in Austin. How was uh how was that? You know, was there a lot of people talking about huge, uh, huge story down human, there, yeah. human rights violations going on or or a lot of people just drinking and eating hot dogs and listening to loud cars. But I think the way this has entered the golf conversation is a little bit different in terms of like the way we were entered into it was like Phil Mickelson leaving his like home, home away from home event. Totally. The waste management for a payday in Saudi Arabia was like really tough. Well, there's right? something so personal about it, right? Where it's different when they buy a, you know, Premier League team, which I know that's yeah. the whole Newcastle United thing that they're mired in and, and that's going on now. But it's so personal when it's, Kokrak saying like, I will not play this existing PGA tour driven by charity thing anymore. Instead, I'm going to take all the money and go play over here. The part that is a lot of people have a lot of issue with, including myself is to go and say great things yeah. about what is going on in Saudi Arabia, right? Shout Without really Casey experiencing. Patrick Reed. Yeah. You don't actually really experience it all. You take money from the government to go and say wonderful things about what's going on. And you're Patrick Reed and you go into classrooms and they all cheer for you. And Paul Casey, a great feeling. For Patrick yeah. Reed. Paul Casey doesn't go play Saudi Arabia because it was UNICEF sponsorship. And then it turns out, actually I did a little more research on that. The UNICEF sponsorship wouldn't cover that. And big, I, you can't learn, you can't go and learn unless you go. It's like, no, you click, then go travel there and experience it like any other tourist would. And tell us what you think rather than like, you can't go and take the paycheck and then come and tell us what you think of what goes on there because you're just selling their message. That's that's where the issue is, right? So I don't hear Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen stand up at the Aramco series and say, like, thank you so much to the Saudi Arabian government for all they've done for this sport. And so that makes it more tolerable for me as, as a sports fan than some of what has happened in golf. Is that fair? Totally fair. I think that's very well said. I think that's where someone like, like there were a lot of jokes on Twitter this week about it, but I think that's where someone like Dustin Johnson ends up in an interesting situation, right? Where I think he strikes me much more as the Hamilton Verstappen, like, yo, I'm just fucking here to play golf. There's, there's no pretense with Dustin. When, when you're talking right. about like this amount of money and this kind of series and stuff like that, that has to kind of go out the window a little bit, right? And it's like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get a guy like that without them being willing to play ball at least a little bit. 
Which it's it's also worth mentioning. A, like we heard from a player this week that used the phrase "brand suicide" when it comes to <laughs> Saudi Arabia, and I, I either forgot about this or don't remember this or didn't know it happened. That mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson had to take his RBC logo off his sleeve yeah. when he went and played there because yeah. RBC go, didn't want to be seen there. Go look up the winner photos of yeah of Dustin Johnson winning in Saudi Arabia the most recent time and. You can look up the from the week before that and see where the logos changed. Wow. Which is another one that, again, man, I, I mean, the money only matters if, you know, if it's coming in, uh, if it's not filling the big enough hole, right? Like if, if your sponsors are going away, if your equipment companies are going away, which is a whole other thing we got to talk about, like... If, if the Saudis are filling those coffers, I mean, maybe that shit doesn't matter to these guys. But also, know. this is all being discussed, talked about, whatever, by agents, right? But agents are paid through off-course endorsements, right. right? So if you're losing your endorsements in some way to get on-course money, they don't get paid for well, that. They got to get appearance That's what I've been though, right? super, think so. super interested in is let's say, let's say somebody takes $50 million to go. Does the agent get a like? Do they get their normal cut of that? I don't think there is a normal. I would think they cut have to that. for negotiating this whole deal, but we can we'll look at. Yeah, it. I don't know. Um, uh, so I think the biggest thing with the like next up with this is just like the balls in the tourist court, or the, right of of like, hey, like, are are they going to ban? Well, I think so. That almost gets us much more into like our PGL conversation, where it's like, so we'll we'll run through all the PGL stuff in a little bit here, but what. I think this whole Saudi thing is going to do, and uh, I forget who who made this point. It might have been Eamon Lynch on in the column he wrote this week, but what's going to happen here now is, I mean, Greg Norman's a lifetime member of the PJ Tour, right? So does he, like, is he going to get banned? Is he going to, what's going to happen there? And I think the Saudi stuff, especially if they're looking to start in August 2022, if not sooner. I think before that, that would just be when Bedminster would be. Yeah. I just, I, at least if nothing else, it's going, or I guess actually the quickest we'll find out is with the Saudi International, which is in February, right? And I think players need to know 30 days before if the release is going to be granted. So, yeah, so the tour, the tour or, yeah, early to mid-January. So we'll in the next you know couple months, we'll at least have movement from the PJ Tour. So to your point, the ball's in their court, and I guess we'll find because out. Because I think we'll, this is this actually plays in before we even get to the PGL, because the PGL is basically saying, hey, like we're gonna we'll kind of wait and see how this how this happens. They've had a major structural change or sh- strategic change in in how they're trying to go about things, but. It's you know it's definitely insightful for them to to kind of sit and wait and say hey you know what this is a great you know example use case here and and we'll kind of adjust as necessary based on that and hundred percent and can confirm this the at least a group not not collectively as a whole but individually a lot not, more than one PGA Tour golfer are. I don't want to say using this pop-up league as leverage with the tour, yeah. but using it as leverage with the tour well, this, in terms of what, let's have this conversation because these guys are putting up this. Hey, like where, like where is like what can we do here? Boom, pip forty million dollars. Exactly. The players' championship. Boom, fifteen to twenty million dollars. TV contracts are going from four hundred million to seven hundred million next year. You think there's not going to be more like individual purses going up? FedEx Cup money is going to continue to rise. There's going to be there's a bunch of things the tour has already done that are like. They kind of have to because players are coming to them saying like, where, where where's this new money going to come in? Where does that come from? Well, we wanna... even now, like they're they're basically saying, where's the where's the current money? Like they're getting twenty six percent of the pot, and they're looking at you know NFL, NBA, all this. And granted, you've got the charitable aspect, and you've got but like guys like Phil Mickelson or some of the Sea Island guys are basically going to Monahan and saying, hey, open the books. We want to audit you. Like we want to bring in an independent 
you know, probably non-Grant Thornton auditor in here and, and you know, really ask the questions of like, like where where's the other 74% of the money that we're not getting going? Uh, I, I would, one thing I totally, totally missed is the podcast that Mickelson did with yeah. uh, Gary Williams. Gary Williams started a podcast after leaving Golf Channel and- uh, Five Club, I think. Yeah, and Phil was his first guest. And if you go back to that episode, it's probably, I think it's like a 30 minute episode. If you go to the, kind of like the last 10 minutes- uh, he really gets into a lot of the stuff and like, again, to the point we made kind of starting the show here, like shocked that those comments didn't make more of the rounds. And I don't know if this is just like, I'm not trying to be condescending. I don't know if it's just like too big of a topic. Like, like I said, we're going to end up talking about it for two hours here. It's not easily digestible, today, but I don't, it, hearing the most visible active player in the world talking about some of the shit he's talking about that was, frankly and directly was blowing my mind yeah. that it just like him basically saying like, yeah, what we're basically the setup that we have on the PJ tour is fundamentally possibly unfixable. Like it doesn't make any sense. And it's basically like pissing off all of the top players in the world. The PJ tour is using us to, they put us intentionally in a hole every year so that we have to play more events and fight our way out against all these other essentially lesser players. And he's talking about that with the wraparound FedEx Cup season, and it's just reach around. I'm sorry, the reach around season. And I would just, uh, yeah, if you're if you're interested in this stuff, go go listen to the back half of that episode. I, I it guess was to, intriguing. Like, like to Greg Norman's to kind of you know give him a compliment of sorts. Like all the stuff that emerged after his initial dalliance with this World Tour stuff is essentially the WGCs. Yeah, right. That was how they. So quick pin in that how they. Essentially, this is it's almost like the, the question's kind of like as old as time, right? It's the same thing with the PIP stuff. It's the same thing with the FedEx Cup. It's it's basically you have this setup, and one of you can probably even explain this better than me, but uh, you have this setup as a 501c6 where you're this member-run organization, which is the comment that or the the phrase that we always you know make fun of when it comes to rules or all kinds of stuff to not make the players look bad. But... Where that really like hamstrings the tour is that it's it's run equally by members, right? You can't just you can't give... treat number one twenty five different than you treat number one. Exactly, and that was Phil's whole thing about uh, that was another comment he made on that Gary Williams podcast was like, "Hey, there's two hundred players and we have four votes on the board like this out of out of what nine? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like this doesn't like this doesn't make sense. And like so we're not even running our own tour. So the point I was going to make, I didn't mean to cut you off, but with the WGCs is like that's almost like the first instance, at least I can think of. I'm sure there were other ones before of just like how do we get this top tier a lot more money yeah. without just hand, sending them a check, right? Yeah. And it was basically these like limited field events, and that's how they kind of headed off this first push towards the world tour was we're going to start these WGCs that only the top players can get in. They'll have massive purses. So then they did that for a while. And then they said, okay, now we're back to square one. We're still not getting enough. Where's all the money going? Okay, we'll start this FedEx Cup, which is going to be a basically just a massive cash redistribution system. And then, you know, that went on for 10 years. And now it's like, hey, we're back to square one. Okay, cool. We'll start this PIP. You know, what's, what's going on with this? And now you can even see it like uh, this is conjecture but like to look at a player like like patrick cantley right who wins the fedex cup maybe one player i feel maybe bad one player of the year, yeah. maybe one player of the year if not you know i think rom was the best player this year but second best player this year on the pj tour is he going to be in that top 10 pip conversation probably xander. not San, now xander like those guys like that next tier of you know i'm a top player but i'm not top 10 pip i have no juice i'm not getting <laughs> like that that money like now what? Like and, now, and now also, I'm the 
oppressed one. And it also puts them in a weird spot where it's like, dude, I don't want to, I'm practicing to be one of the best golfers in the world. Like, I don't want to go out there and make fucking social media videos. Or I don't right. want to like start a beef with somebody or I don't like, what am I supposed to do other than just like go out and be one of the best players in the world, which is what I'm doing. And that's where it gets so, and you can roll your eyes. I would encourage you to roll your eyes to a certain extent at a lot of this stuff, but that's where it gets to the point of like, man, these guys are, they're underpaid, like comparatively to, to other sports, comparatively to other players. And I don't totally know what they do about it. Right. And it's just, that that's where all this stuff gets super fascinating to me. It's wild to like the scale of which we're talking about in that potentially Ricky Fowler, if the numbers are to what they've been rumored to be, Ricky Fowler could in a couple years make more than the greatest player ever in the <laughs> history of the game who changed the finances of the game forever ever made on the course yeah. and Ricky could do it in like three years allegedly three if years give him 50 million front guaranteed and and then walk away from the game at like 36 and just go do whatever he wants for the so game. the scale at which we're talking about this is, I mean, the, once you start talking millions like it's hard to really really gather I mean as uh, all of us in the room have so many millions too we can <laughs> we can actually relay this conversation but like yeah like there's a huge difference between 140 and 150 million dollars even right. but like they all become the same when you're talking about numbers of this size well and that was the uh, I think it was an Australian report or or British report I can't remember but the one that said essentially they've offered was it the U.S. Ryder Cupper that they offered uh, $150 million over three years, which is probably not true, and that's like an outrage, truly outrageous yeah. amount of money. But if you're that U.S. Ryder Cupper, it's like, all right, should I take that money or should I just assume that I'm going to win the FedEx Cup for the next 10 <laughs> years in a row? And I'm not going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. And- it's like, dude, that that's where it gets to again, suspend the moralizing and there's it's very, 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 very complicated and there's lots of ins and outs, but also we're talking about a ton of fucking money. Generational it's, easy, wealth. it's easy for us to sit here and say, Oh yeah, say no to the money. Like it's not being offered yeah. to us, which somebody did have a great question in that if each of us were individually offered ten million dollars to go cover sa- the Saudi tour, who who of us would take <laughs> it? <laughs> and definitely be Randy would be the answer. I think so. We'll get into the structure of the tour because I think there's a lot to be said on that and how it's kind of holding back what their upside is or what their flexibility is here. But going back to the WGCs, like this was Fincham's way of saying, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to evolve here a little bit or set this up. And the WGCs suck. Yes. They're fucking terrible. Horrible. Like there was, there was supposed to be one this week, WGC, HSBC in, in China. It's like the worst event of the whole fucking year, and that's the one they're keeping. That's what. That's one that's kind of blowing my mind. That's the worst one. Yeah, and isn't so, that the one that they're keeping, or is that the one? Is that one going away? Uh, uh, who, who could say? Who could say? I'll look at it. I think I'll they're keeping that in the match play. I believe. Okay, but I think you know, like that's a perfect example of like all this is done in, in the most myopic sense of like it's not about the product, it's not about the fan, it's not about. The, the tournament or even growing the game on a global scale like WGCs don't do shit to grow the game it's it's simply about like the PGA tour ke- keeping the status quo well going. I think it was cool uh, yeah not to get mired in this conversation but the I think it was cool seeing the Mexico event, Mexico was cool yeah, right like that seemed like one where I would flip on the TV and be like holy shit these people seem like they're loving golf that's awesome and then it goes away they yeah. are keeping that one match play and, and HSBC and then there's all the whataboutism of like what about the HSBC like the the Chinese government does not want 
the the uh, PGA Tour in China, <laughs> like like it's the it's very opposite. It's a know? different it's a different thing. Like that's and again that that emphasis on going over to just go say great things about the host country. That's the host country funding it versus HSBC funding a tournament is different things. You yeah. can that's where the whataboutism really spirals, and that's where I personally would draw the line. You're welcome to draw the line wherever you like as a listener and a follower of the sport, but that's where I net out. I don't know where you guys net yeah. out there, but no, we'll be up fair. front of that. That's uh, you know, I'm not saying we're a million percent consistent on everything, but that's it's a complicated issue, and that's pretty much where the line is. Kind of like one of those billboards that's like the vegan versus animal like where do you draw the line but among all the animals like that's where i'm that's where mine is well that's part of the reason why randy's not on the pod this week he's busy fighting off uh you know like he's with PETA. the bullpen situation <laughs> the whole bullpen yeah. thing it's it's offensive to cows and randy just won't stand for it uh all right so i i tried to round up some very pragmatic or as rational as i can be pros and cons for this sgl just as we as we start to move out of this and, and talk about other stuff, let me let me run through some of these. Let me see what you guys agree with, disagree with. Let's start with strictly for players. For players, what are the pros of joining this league? I think one, oodles and oodles of guaranteed money. I think that's pretty obvious, uh, number one. We touched on it, but number two, OWGR points through the Asian Tour. That's a big deal, and that's why you see a lot of, maybe not a lot, but you, you, know, you see... Sorry, this is. I don't know if you want to speak to manipulation and some of these uh, hmm. some of these events having outsized OWGR uh, moments. But to me, what that is, is kind of skips down the the list of uh, pros here. But to me, what that speaks to is basically this ability to do what Brooks Kepka and Peter Uline and a couple of other guys, uh, you know, Julian Surrey's another one, like other guys did when they would leave college as like very decorated college players and go over to the European Tour to try to earn a card that way essentially or earn kind of their place on the the global golf stage that way i think this partnership with the asian tour allows at least the hypothetical of that right it's a, it's a creating a whole ecosystem right you can just go play the asian tour hope to get into these saudi events eventually and you know i i still don't know the whole details behind do, do we have details on what the events are actually going to be like? How many people are in them? Is there a team format? Is there we any of that? Don't have that. It doesn't See, sound like a team format, but I don't think be so either. The, you know, that could so, be in the uh, stuff to come later. So the way it's described now, it seems. I really struggle to see how the tour can say you can't go play in these events. I agree. Like, because they're supposed to be like their whole thing is we're doing what's best for our members. If it's super lucrative for your members to go play in some of these events, you know, and play in tour events as well, like then, like they should be allowed to do that. If, the, right? if the goal of the PJ Tour is essentially to help golfers make as much money playing golf as possible, it's like a trade it, organization. It seems right? hard to. And hard what's to wild is shoot that down. Even the players, and I don't even mean I don't mean that literally. I mean like. As players, I mean, including the golfers, the agents, the team, whatever involved in this, all of the players, then the tour execs, all that, they, none, no one involved in that even understands whether or not they can or can't block it. Like yeah. one side says, oh, yeah, we can totally block it. There's like, yeah, you definitely cannot. And it, even, you know, you talk to individual players, they're like, yeah, I don't actually know what the answer is. Like it would be a true legal fight. And there isn't a clear-cut answer as to what the power of the tour would be in that regard. Which brings a whole other question into play, which is, you know, is there going to be some sort of weird, I don't know if what you call it, like arbitration or whatever, where like players, like it's just legally unclear whether they can play and players are going to end up missing events or how, like, I don't know how that works. Well, right? it, it feels like a very, like with Monaghan, it feels like something that he's got, it's the most powerful tool that he has, but one that like once he uses it, 
like you you can't you can't put it back right like it's gonna lay bare that like it's a lot of these players versus the PGA Tour instead of hey we're all in this together this is our like it's a it's a very it's kind of a point of no return yeah you know what so let's throw out a theory here what if Dustin Johnson jumps who's the defending champion by the way like like, which isn't a little thing yeah jumps to this new series the tour bans him what what is stopping DJ from like all right well I'm top 50 in the world I can get a start in this tournament like I don't have to be a tour member to get a start here because I I have this criteria I can go do that or all right cool I'll I'll, yeah I'll get a special exemption to several of these PGA tour events and get my card back through special temporary membership. Yeah. I think they could basically. I think the tour would base. It would be on the tour to to say, hey, you can't like to to I think go you against. Literally, literally can't play in the events. I would think. Yeah, like so. So, but how can they do that? That's what I'm exactly. saying. Yeah. No, I agree. It's a legal can of worms. And also, like, how bad would it look if DJ wanted to go play the RBC Canadian Open or the Travelers Championship, and you go to that tournament director or that corporate sponsor? Hey, number you know number three golfer in the world wants to come play, but we're not going to let him. So fuck you guys, you know. Like, how bad does that look if you're a sponsor? Yeah, I I don't. I could be totally wrong here. We did a whole podcast on the PGA Tour handbook. I don't remember reading anything in there that said you could you a player could be banned from the tour for playing in other sports leagues. That's what. I, yeah, unless it was like some sort of conduct thing, right? Like if you if you broke a rule, if you were yeah. you know if it was the steroid thing or you know. Something but like that. Conduct unbecoming is, sort of <laughs> is like the, the ultimate ban thing. hammer, right? So, so just to tease that out a little bit, let's say that the ban is not possible and it's not something they can do. What's stopping Ricky Fowler from saying, cool, I'd love to take $100 million to come play your event series for three years and then I'll go back to the PGA Tour. Like, And, and then if that's the case... And then it's I, a sweepstakes. I, again, moralizing aside, uh, and you're Ricky Fowler, it's like... Man, hundred million dollars is a hundred million dollars, right? At some point, it's just it's wild. So, all right, a few more, a few more pros and cons here. We mentioned this bit, one big, you know, one last job for a lot of these uh, aging bank robbers here. Uh, let's let's get the old gang together, you know. Take <laughs> let's go boost some cars, <laughs> boost some cars. One last one last job. We'll ride in the sunset, and I think the big one is seemingly there's no conflict with the majors here, right? And I think that's on both the SGL and PGL side, I think that's almost like the most important topic here. And I don't know if it's something we want to get into now or later, but the fact that all of this, I, I'm giving, you know, I, I think golf is a very, very, uh, niche sport in that the people who watch it week to week, uh, make up a big part of the fan base, right? Like, I don't know how many, there are casual fans who watch the masters, but I don't think like the casual fan base is some astronomically, you know, massive number compared to the hardcore fans. I think it's a pretty solid base, right? Yeah. And so with that said, though, a lot of this is we're just talking about, you know, everything that goes on outside the biggest events in golf. We're not talking about the majors. We're not talking about the Ryder Cup in either of these instances. All that stuff remains the same. We're, we're kind of just talking about regular season golf. As of now. I mean, yeah. the, the PGA of America, Seth Wall, has been, you know, pretty much the 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 most outspoken one in being lock and step with the PGA Tour to this point, which... I mean, it could come out, Fred Ridley could come out tomorrow and say, like, yeah, we're not going to let anyone play the Masters that plays this tour. Which would, would, which would you would like be, to unpack why I don't think that's going to happen? Like, <laughs> Because A, they're on the board of the, of the OWGR. It would be putting the OWGR in a really awkward spot. Also, like, the Masters is, is has shouted from the rooftops with the 
with the Latin America Amateur Championship yeah. and the Asia Pacific I mean, Amateur Asia Pacific. It's like, hey, this is like this super matters. important for us. Yeah, and all, it's just if you're going to have a new league whose whole goal is just building a worldwide tour, you're essentially as one of the majors. If they're deferring to you, right? Like, let's say they're bringing in all these brand new people who have never watched golf before, right? All those people are taking their cues from this new league, right? Like picture when all of us got into F1, like we're listening to F1 podcasts and we're watching the schedule and we're just kind of, they're telling us what's important, right? If this new league is telling you, hey, we're off this week because these events are so important, like all these majors are just getting, a, like what's the downside for them, right? right? Like they could potentially be getting, you know, if this thing works at all, they're getting incremental worldwide audience and they're tr- for doing nothing. And truly only the only events that will have all of the best players yeah. in the world in one place. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't, and, and, I don't know, would, man, unless the PGA of America and the PGA Tour seems like they have kind of the closest relationship, but I don't, I don't know why any of the other majors would, would head any of this stuff off. Doesn't I just think it's, sense. I think it's interesting that like the PGA of America almost has to, A, they have a board seat with the PGA Tour. And then B, they would have to, like their two biggest money makers come from PGA Tour players, right? Right. Yeah. So you can't really like they can't upset the apple cart. They need to be supportive of the yeah. PGA Tour. Uh, uh, so that, that's kind of what I had for pros. Cons for players, just worth worth talking about all this because I think it kind of wraps everything up. As they had announced the uh, event series previously, it was I believe six events in the U.S. and six events in Saudi Arabia. So. We could legitimately be talking about these guys going to Saudi Arabia six times, playing six different events. I don't well, think that's a pro. Well, now we're down to 10 events, right? We originally thought it was 12 events. Now it's 10. So, Well, it's 10, but the Saudi International is not included in that 10. Correct. So I would think anybody who's getting a major payday, I think there's probably a pretty strong wink, wink, like, hey, you're going to be playing the Saudi event as yeah. well, uh, which makes it 11. And then if they add another one in the U.S., we're probably... Probably at twelve, but or, or this they, goes in, or in the they, rumor camp, though we yes. don't know the location. Of the there events. may be too, like there may be, you know, Asian Tour order of merit type stuff to where if they play, you know, let's say these are all Asian Tour sanctioned events, you know, you get a let's say they're given a ten million dollar bonus to whoever wins the Asian Tour, then then you're compelled to go play the Singapore Open right. or you know over in Perth or somewhere like that, right? I think uh, continuing down the cons list, public perception is. Is a big one. I think we can talk about the money all we want, but if it if it does publicly turn into the Saudis plus Donald Trump golf league, that's going to be a tough, tough, tough one for most a, of the world to overcome. There's a, a you know a downside as far as the money goes too, because you're you're going to be getting less exposure based on your equipment contract and your apparel contract or you know whomever your sponsors are uh, with like to the audience that they are that they kind of signed on to you know, appeal to, yep. right? Like that's not to say that you could probably get a, you know, a couple of Japanese sponsors or Chinese sponsors or, you know, Middle East sponsors, but they're not going to be the same sponsors. Uh, I think one thing to think about is there's potential for just legitimately like far worse, like peer set or player competition, Yeah. right? Like if you're, if you're trying to build your whole year around the majors and, you know, doing all of those things, it, it's possible these, I mean, at least in the early going, it's possible these ten events fucking suck, as far as far as like competition I'd say likely, goes, right? And so, I mean, I know golf tournaments are golf tournaments at some point, but I think there's a reason you see guys play the on the PJ Tour the week before the Masters or play, you know, they want to play big events to get juices going. Or I, I just I don't think it's going to help you win a major by not playing against the best players in the world. I don't think that's a very hot take. 
And then the last thing is is obviously just like lack of context, right? Like lack of any kind of PJ Tour history or legacy building. And you can kind of roll your eyes at that if you want, but let's just face it. Like there's going to be there's far more PJ Tour winners than there are major winners, right? And so I think that's worth something. And it just kind of all that stuff goes out the window as soon as you start this new upstart league. So really quickly, I <laughs> pros and cons for fans. Saul, you want to go through some of these? Yeah, I don't know. If I, this could be pretty quick. I don't really know what the pros are for the fans. For I totally. The, I was. I was trying not to 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 openly shit on it, but like, I, I man, I don't see a lot of pros for fans. Maybe the like the majors being a complete sweepstakes and like yes. those being just turned up another ten notches. As I'm squinting and trying trying to look for more pros, I think it would be stand to reason that you know if they start with the Asian tour. I could kind of see the world domination plan then extending into Australia or extending into South America or some of that. You might get some cool events in those types of places. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you get like some cool courses, but, uh, yeah, other than that, it's, it's a tough scene for fans. I think, I mean, I'd watch a tournament at Turnberry. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, I think that could be interesting. I think, I don't think this trickles quite down to fans, but pros could be a strengthened PGA tour as well. I agree. And that if this is used as leverage, but I think it is strengthened for the players and not for, I don't think it is going to include like, all right, we need to redo our TV package no. now because we want to make it better for fans. It's like, no, they just care about getting their money. Like it, it just, that's, you know, the sponsors got to be happy. Players got to be happy. And that's really it. Fans, fans a, don't are not in the equation. There's a super interesting parallel here where like in the, Early '80s, Nicholas and and Palmer tried to kind of stage a coup on like Dean Beeman and these guys, and it ended up strengthening the tour, you know. And and but it, it kind of laid bare some of these issues from the start too. So, you know, it, like, but anybody that says like, oh, how dare these guys break away or whatever, like, yo, like Nicholas and Palmer tried to do it themselves, right? It's yeah. not like the the uh, PGA Tour is some sacred cow that we can't that we can't you know, mess with or anything like that. Like the PGA tour is, is simply the organization that runs this shit. It's not golf. It's not pro golf, nor should it be. Yeah. I was talking about, <laughs> I was talking to Randy about this a while ago and we were talking about baseball stick with me for a second, but we were talking about how it's baseball serves as like this kind of center of gravity during the season. Like it's just very nice at the end of each day or, you know, mid afternoon or whatever, you just kind of, there's always something to to check, right? So he's like, oh, how did, you know, did the guys win last night or who are they who's pitching tonight? What's going on? And you just have this like six months of kind of ebbs and flows, you know, when, when things are, you know what the schedule is, blah, blah, blah. And we were kind of talking about like, why is golf not like that? And, you know, cause golf plays every week and there's, it's Thursday to Sunday and they're at a different place. And it seems like it should be fairly similar and it's just not. And I think a big part of that is just in baseball, you have such a set schedule and you have such a context you have such set context and where i'm going with all this is that golf is truly just making it up as it goes yeah it's all <laughs> bullshit anyway you know what i'm right? saying and that, that's where other it's than like, the majors it doesn't matter i like, never realized that until really like digging in of just like oh man like it's just it's just bolting on all this yeah. shit and that's where it turns into just this big bloated ship of barnacles right where it's just like dude there's 
Oh, fuck. We've got this problem. Uh, all right, WGCs. Okay, now we've got this. I don't know. Let's make up something called the FedEx Cup. Yeah. <laughs> okay, over here. Let's uh, let's make pip. this the PIP. Uh, what's this? Genesis, you guys are pissed. Uh, you guys are an elevated event. Uh, and this is what we talk about all the time with like the whack-a-mole of just all these problems. It's like truly it's just – and I don't, I'm not blaming them or, or shitting on it. It's like I don't know what you do differently, but – yeah, it's just truly like making it up as you go. And it's hard to Netflix series. <laughs> yeah, it's just really hard to have like a cogent, cohesive, yeah, consistent product when that's the case. And I think when that's it's what structurally unsound. That's what I think a lot of this, you know, lays bare. So what I will say, last con I had for fans, I mean, obviously all of the above that we've been talking about for the last hour, but I think the other thing is is what you touched on a little bit, Solly, but just like the fracturing and decentralization of pro golf feels like a bad thing. I mean, I, I do think other people around the world might totally disagree. And I think having more events around the world would be a great thing. But ultimately, I think it's good for golf that the PJ Tour is a clear number one thing, right? Like you can watch the PJ Tour every week and say, I know that the best, like the majority of the best players are there. And that win at Riviera really fucking means something. Whereas I just don't think it's a great thing if all of a sudden you know, if the best players in the world are fractured all over the place, <laughs> that win in Jetta means something. Yeah, it just really seems like a mess. And he won in Medina just, last year. Just makes it so confusing and so unnecessarily bloated. It uh, what the SGL really it can't be overstated. The three things that we talked about between it, it, it's a it's a big PR hit as as we've noted, brand suicide to be doing stuff with Saudi Arabia. That's one. Norman confirm it like confirmed that. The, the quote we heard is like Norman will push a lot of players out. Like Norman will, it's polarizing enough that like people don't want to be involved in that. That's I mean, two big hurdles. Tiger and Norman hate each other. Like, or Tiger hates Norman. Right? Yeah. And so then three, now you add in, we have, I, I don't know the limitations or the extent of Trump's involvement, but that is three huge things, the hurdles to clear in terms of like telling a story as to why you want to do this. It becomes more and more clear that it is purely and solely about the money, right? There's not a, grand vision for the game there's not a greater competition there's not growing the game there's not un any of that other than collecting a big yeah. fat paycheck there's nothing you can even fake storytelling wise to be the reason why you would go do this that is a that's going to hurt them that is a hundred percent going to hurt them it's inherently like unserious yeah right? and that's that's where i keep I, I don't know i know i sound very like depressed and cynical but it's like like I'm with you. I'm. I'm. I, I will sign your your petition on everything you just said. But also like gestures wildly at everything else in the fucking world. And it's like, yeah, none of that. That stuff seems to matter less and less in every facet of everyday life. And eventually, like the money kind of seems like it just wins out. <laughs> I, I I think you're right, but I think this is a. Uh, you're talking to a, a a group of people that have a lot of money. Like totally. it is where it is a different conversation for the Peter Uline kind of camp. Maybe he's not the best example, but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like a current PGA tour, this ball, man. PGA tour, you guy, like that's you. different. Like you, like that's a different conversation than like Patrick Cantlay, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, the dudes that have more money than they will be able to spend already in their lives. Their lifestyles are not going to change from, you know, you know, taking 50 more million more dollars, like you're going to be doing pretty much the same things that you are currently doing. So like you have to clear, like clear that reputational damage you're going to do to yourself. And just for, again, just for money, I think that that is going to keep them from getting some of the big names they want. Guys like Bryson that love money and 
make, spend a lot of it, make very reckless decisions uh, on the regular. I could see that working out, but uh, I've heard I've heard Brooks is out. Brooks is not doing the SGL. Is is a hundred percent out. We out this bitch. So like, uh, I don't know. And he loves money too. So that that again, if he's not willing to do it, who who are you who are you giving be giving this money to? So it, it seems like if we're if we're putting a bow on this, moving on. I mean, it seems like. It's poised to go one of a couple different directions, either flame out spectacularly and just blow up on the launch pad, never get off the ground. Two, uh, it seems like a great way to just incinerate a bunch of cash over 10 years and never really build a foothold. Or three, it seems like a way, if you're really committed to a slow build, it could be something we're talking about for legitimately like 10 or 15 years that maybe or maybe not kind of incrementally has progress each year. I think it is that a, has, is that a fair summation? Yeah, I think it's become more palatable to do like the Saudi Arabia European tour event as the years have gone by. Totally, right? the, the pressure well, seems people, less. I, I think people shout like they sh- get tired of shouting, right? Or they well, kinda, so there's year, like there's year, like exhaustion year, from yeah, outrage. Yeah. So year two of this circuit, like so and so dips his toe in, and it's like, oh well, I mean yeah. that guy didn't get as roasted as bad as I thought. And now then, I and might then be they in. They Austin Ekro. That money signed, cleared the yeah. bank account, right? And. That that is more likely than like everyone is going to be playing in Saudi Arabia next year. Yes, there was like uh, Garrett Morrison from the Friday responded to a tweet I had and called it the uh, quote "Why is Jason Kokrak's yacht bigger than mine?" <laughs> style of recruiting, <laughs> which is which is really well said, and uh, I think it's a real thing. I think, like you said, if if uh, that that's what also makes it interesting is like. To any players who want to, you know, I think that's why you see a lot of guys being super coy about this and not openly flaming it. I know Rory's kind of one of the few guys who basically said, like, I'm not taking your fucking money. I know who you are. I see what you're trying to do, and I'm not I'm not doing it. Like, if, like you said, in five years, some of these guys who are kind of on the edge now, if it still does start to build momentum and all that stuff, it's... I get why guys aren't shooting themselves in the foot right now and saying things they can't take back later. A couple guys have. Yeah. JT's and Rory's are saying, like, yeah, I'm I'm not doing that. Um, Which, it looks really, really bad if you do do end up doing it in five years, but will people even remember that? I don't know. All right. Deep breath. We need a quick break here to check in with our friends at Rapsodo. You've heard us talk a lot about these mobile launch monitors. You can go to rapsodo.com slash NLU and you can use promo code NLU for $75 off a mobile launch monitor. These things are extremely accurate. They get within 2% of a $20,000 unit. Their mobile launch monitor app from Rapsodo, it automatically tracks stats. It stores video with Shot Tracer. It helps you figure out your club gapping, understand the true distances you're hitting each club. If you're putting a new driver in the bag, maybe as you change over into the new year, you're going to want to test that against what your current setup is, what your launch angle is, all that stuff. The Rapsodo is going to give you all of that. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor gives you immediate feedback and data and creates a better practice environment. You're not going to, you're not going to mindlessly hit golf balls, which I'm guilty of more often than I like to admit. It's extremely portable. It's about the size of a rangefinder. You can use it indoor and outdoor. So again, go to rapsodo.com slash NLU. Use promo code NLU for $75 off their mobile launch monitor. Let's get back to the pod. Guys, I want to be positive. I want to talk PGL, the positive golfer. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about the negatives for fans and players and just sport at large. Let's talk about some positives. All right, so so last we heard from the PGL, I think they were employing what sounds like a very similar model to what the Saudis are doing, which is here's a ton of money. 
upfront to join, jump ship, let's all, you know, ride off in the sunset together over in this direction. It sounds like there's been a bit of a fundamental change and they're trying to work much more closely with the PJ Tour, is that right? Correct. Yeah, so they've they've essentially before they were they had 700 750 million dollars set aside to pay these guys up front to jump ship to essentially put their toe in the water and dare the PGA Tour to ban them or, you know, whatever. Like they were going to they were going to move forward without having this certainty, right? And now they've said, "Hey, we're going to, you know, instead of that, we want to work with the PGA Tour. We want to give the, give the play all the players. So not just the top 50 guys. All the players want to give you equity in this thing. We're going to lop off 50% of the equity of this, you know, potentially 10, 12, 16 billion dollar sports league. We're going to we're going to give you 50% of that. And we're going to also save 10% for another nonprofit that essentially acts in the best interest of the game worldwide. And then your partners and like broadcast partners or commercial partners, or if they wanted to give 10% to Tiger Woods, they give 10% to Tiger Woods, another 10% set aside to if NBC Comcast needed to be netted up for the hit that they're going to take for the current PGA Tour uh, media rights deal or CBS or whatever, they could use that towards that. So so essentially 70% of the equity is kind of up for grabs here between charity. Current stakeholders. Current stakeholders. Anybody that kind of matters right now. And and the important part is like the PGA Tour inherently has no equity, right? There's no, it's a 501c6. There's no, they. it's structurally, they cannot create value. It's true. Yeah. It's just eating what you kill. Correct. Yeah. So what would, okay. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it almost sounds a little bit like the WGCs, where it's just almost kind of like, although I guess the difference is the WGCs are mostly run by the PJ Tour, but it's basically just a, what they're pitching is just a bolted on, correct, like totally separate entity, bolted on thing that would be kind of a bridge between the PJ Tour and the PGL. Correct. And I think that where I struggle with it is like, how do you measure, all right, like when you talk about this equity piece, it's not the tour, it's not PJ Tour Inc. getting that. The, uh, the equity, it's it's the individual players themselves. And now, is that past players as well? How far down the list do you go? If, if you're a Corn Ferry member, do you get that? You know, future members, how do you get, how do you cut them in on it so it's not just, hey, you were here at the right place, right time kind of thing? But that's a big reality of like, hey, like you're talking about, you set this thing up, it goes well. It's like it, it's 10, 12, 14, but like it looks like Formula One, right? right. It's a massive, massive like enterprise and hugely valuable and essentially it allows you to fix all these structural defects that exist with you know that the top players not making enough money in their eyes or some of the product stuff and it's you know i think it's essentially something too where the tour is essentially they would be forced to reckon with all right like why are we why why, not doing this why can we not make this much money on our own like like where's this extra money coming from right well okay so the very natural question is like, where is this with the PJ Tour? Monahan just like won't open the emails. <laughs> That's wild. Like straight up. So it's like you know. So at some point, like the PJ Tour is so invested in keeping the status quo going that even if this was like this would be a, you know, let's say it's a, it, let's say conservatively it's a four billion dollar upside to their to their current members of. Hey, like you're gonna get equity in this four billion dollar enterprise, like that. That seems like something that you should maybe explore. So essentially, he's he's you know he's basically saying, hey, like I'm gonna take it to the players, and the players like if if Monahan won't take the deal, then like 
you know, I'm going to go to the players directly and say, hey, like this is because a lot of the players were, were, I guess, a little bit sheepish about bailing on their peers and taking the money and, and you know, and bailing on friends and saying, hey, you know what, like you guys are great, but I'm going to take this $60 million paycheck up front. Plus I'm going to be playing for $4 million a week. Whereas, you know, I think they're basically saying, no, like everybody gets a cut of the pie. We're going to get more over here because we're playing for more. And we deserve more. Yeah. And, but, you know, but all boats are rising. Well, and it also keeps like a very uh, necessary infrastructure in place. That's what I think a lot of this, a lot of this stuff hasn't really addressed the fact that you still need a feeder system of some kind. Yeah. Right. And you still need like some way for uh, turnover and some way for, for players to be identified as the next, the next thing. Right. And that can't just. That, that was a big problem I had or big question mark I guess I had with the original PGL was just like, we're going to take the top 48 guys, we're going to move over here and... We're going like, to relegate some guys somewhere. But yeah. You're banned from the PGA Tour, but like if, yeah, you, you don't play good in year one, like your, your, your career's over. And I think it was always very clear that like this PGL concept can't work without the PGA Tour. Without, without relegation. Yeah, right. it, it can't work without what looks like the existing tour, but also the existing tour is never really going to... Be like, yeah, cool. Why don't we're tired of running like the best tour in the in the world? So why don't you guys just please? Why don't you guys take it over for a while? Which is where it gets to the point of like, it, it has to be something that works together. It seems like. But if I'm the tour, I'm also understanding of not wanting to be the one. Be, the guys that are currently in power wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be the ones who are like turning the keys over to someone else to like no, run their run their tour, right? Even if it's great for the players and all that. And I think there's still. There's a power element still in play, right? Where like it would be a huge concession of power totally. for the PGA Tour to do that, and I think there's some pride involved in that and skepticism about how it all would all work out and play out. And they would want it. I mean, they they would drag this out as long as possible until they're forced to do this. And totally, that could be 10, 20 years for all we know. But at some point too, like I I think this is a smart strategy shift because at some point, like if this is viable, if this is you know, as lucrative, even half as lucrative as, as they're making it out to be like, then like, why wouldn't like, you're, you're supposed to be like structurally looking after the best interests of your members of your players. Like this is, this seems like a much better way forward for those top, top 48 guys. Plus the other guys are still playing for, you know, seemingly just as much money, the entire ecosystem still in place. And it, and it gives them like another level to graduate to, to kind of bet on themselves. Right. And all the tournaments like the PGL wants to use, you know, like let's say it's Riviera or Mirfield Village or Bay Hill or something like they want to go to the best tournaments and say, hey, like you're you're now a PGL event. You're not a PGA tour. Like, you know, like we we want to play the best courses. We want to play the best events. We want to keep this history going with these events. So it seems like the only way that this would ever go down, if it was to go down, would be and correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially like turning public perception inside of the PJ tour members and basically like yeah, making them exactly. force a vote or making them force just exploring change, it. Even, right. Right. Because I, I like, I, but I don't think that I think we're overstating how powerful Monaghan's position is because I think like there's like at some point there's stuff that they're not doing that they're asleep at the wheel on and people are kind of figuring out about it and calling them on it. But some of it, they can't, they legitimately just can't fix. Right. Right. Because I think the other thing to like think about with the PGL is like it's not this big money grab. Yeah, it's it's much more lucrative for the top players, but also like it's 
a lot of it is stemming from like the product will be better with with the team component and with relegation and with the top 48 guys in the world playing this 18 events together every year like guaranteed well basically just keep yeah it seems like it would allow you if (laughs) maybe the biggest if in golf history but if they were to work together and you know cooperate on this basically just allows you to have like a totally different set of media guidelines or regulations or any of that stuff around. I would hope. See, that's where I'm like, I, I am less excited about the, them working together because like the tour stink on media regulations, television broadcasts, all that like stuff. It would, it would operate totally independently of, as far as the current PGA tour structure, right? They would be free to negotiate all their own commercial rights deals and, and you know, everything on that end. The only connection would be, essentially that these guys are, are, are shareholders and, and that they would have a, a certain amount of leadership within it or, or voice within it. But at the same time, like it's a brand new distinct organization. They could use PGA tour rules officials or something like that. So there's familiar faces out there, but, but at the end of the day, like think about how much money they're leaving on the table right now with, you know, staging 48 events and none of the, the sponsors know who's going to show up right. most weeks or, you know, like it, Basically, you're kind of moving into a, a much different classification of sponsor, like World Cup, Olympics style, instead of just regional United States, yeah. right? And I think there's a lot of upside there as far as sponsorship goes, as far as efficiency goes. With when you sign on a sponsor, it's it's a hundred and forty million dollar sponsor and not a not a twenty five million dollar sponsor. That's what I yeah. That's what I was racking my brain. And I'm not smart enough to figure out how this stuff would work, but. I'm trying to figure out where the money comes from. And, you know, it, it just sounds like way too good to be true to be like, no, no, no. Like all the, you know, the William McGirts and like you guys, like you guys will still play like your normal PJ tour event. And like, you're going to ha- have great purses and great media deals. And also like all the best players are going to play over here and you guys are going to have exorbitantly amount, you know, an exorbitant amount more money to play for. It, it just starts to feel very like, um, I don't know, like there's not enough eyeballs or money and all that stuff to go around. And that's where I, I am a little skeptical, I guess. And I would need to hear more. I think at the end of the day, that's like, because I, I do think they're kind of overstating, all right, like the PGA tour, or the Euro tour, they're going to be fine. People are going to keep watching like those, obviously those sponsorship levels decrease and all that. But on the requisite side of that, like those, that becomes much more of a feeder system and you only need $140 million in purses versus you know, half a billion. Right. Right. But also like, I think there's, there's just such a, so sorry, break that down real quick. Cause yeah. the, the thought of what, what you're basically saying is they're looking at like the amount of purses over the course of the year that are going to the top 48 guys. Exactly. Right. And especially essentially splintering that off into its own prize pool. Correct. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, I'm trying to picture this, right. Because it, it's not as if there is unity among the players, like this should happen. Right. And they're all going to Monaghan be like, why won't you take the meeting? Right. So there, it seems to me like the momentum with the players is like to go to commissioner and to the tour and be like, here's what they're offering here. How do we up purses? How do we do all this stuff? Right. So if I'm in Monaghan's shoes and I am portraying to my players currently, our situation is great. Here's all the money we have locked up. FedEx cups going up. We players have, we purse have going up. $1.2 billion in the bank. Pip you know? going up. We got, we're good. We got all this money. If I'm saying that, yet also like taking meetings and and trying to almost in a way 
re like signaling to the players we are looking into a way to totally restructure our tour you're sending two different messages to your members totally i mean and i think that's why like jay's in a really tenuous spot yeah. right where i think you know because essentially like everybody knows that there's structural defects with the with the tour the tour can't necessarily signal that but i do think if if enough players went to him and said hey you know what like we need to investigate this i mean pgo guys have been talking to agents and players for you know the last few years that's right? what i'm saying i don't think that it doesn't feel like they're at the point of beating down the door of jay's office to be like yo why are we not looking into this so but if, i think some of that is like i would go back to kokrak's yacht right <laughs> unless we get two years down the road and all of a sudden currently they, yeah these guys are you know spending like making a bunch of money in saudi arabia i think it puts the players in a much yeah. a much better position to go to the tour and be like hey man like i don't want to go fucking play in saudi arabia but like <laughs> we need to figure this out yeah. i want to go party on kokrak's yacht <laughs> after hearing so much about it but... or or talking you know again like, kokrak is not committed this is pure <laughs> speculation on us talking about the the you know the um like the mickelson podcast where it's like like phil's phil's saying all this stuff like a lot of the players are starting to wise up a lot of them don't know shit from Shinola and they they're like they're they're trying to you know just play the best golf that they possibly can and don't understand that like they don't really have as much of a say as they think but I think there's there's a, a new breed of 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 guy out there or even veterans that are they're kind of saying hey wait a second like 26 percent of the revenue like even even just on the current revenue why aren't we getting more of the current revenue much less opening the door for these much larger worldwide deals. And, you know, I, and I think it goes back to like the WGCs of like, like, Hey, like here's, here's an example of something that the PGA tour has done that nobody gives a fuck about. <laughs> right. And let's like, so like, why do we trust them to, to monetize our business to like the best of its ability? Right. I would, I also think though, the players we need to waste our Royco vote of no confidence. <laughs> yeah. The players share some of the culpability in like the product, not being that interesting. A hundred percent. Like they don't, and they don't care enough. They don't, it's again, they're not beating down the door of the offices. Like, Hey, we got to change the telecast. Like they just want to get their money and go home. Like that's, 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 that's one thing. Right. So I think the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I think it, it is an interesting spot for the tour because by all accounts, other than some outside threats coming in, sponsors are there. The money's there. Everything's pointing up. Ratings are what they have pretty much always been. It's not. They're not. They're not like. They're not cratering, right? As much as like, it's not fun to watch. They're, they're <laughs> bleeding away a little bit. I mean, right? A little bit, but it's not like a dying sport. It's not. Uh, it's like that more was just the tiger effect. Yeah, more away. events are are popping up, and there just doesn't seem to be a shortage of opportunities for events, right? So. Internally, they there there's almost no chance. I would imagine they're screaming, they're looking around, being like, "Wow, we gotta gut things. We gotta change our whole entire structure. We gotta do all that." And until it it, it becomes like apparent, like very apparently clear that seventy five to ninety percent of the top players are insistent on this happening, or they're jumping ship. It I think that gap between the, this happening and the like Monahan seating control of all of these of all of these events is probably pretty enormous. Yeah. That'd be my estimation. Like, do I think this is like more interesting than current people? Of course. Yeah. Like, do I think this would be, you know, make sense to the top guys to make this much more money? Of course. Do I, I just think it is like. Because I, there's also it, equity. It changes in, things. It, there's also equity inherent with all these teams as well. So these guys are still getting, you know, if the team owner cuts them in on the equity, there's, there's, there's that piece of it. It seemed more likely that when they, 
were a separate league that people would have to bounce for, that it would happen, then this the, the tour is almost merging, in my opinion. I agree. And I think that that's an interesting thing that, you know, would love to ask Andy about or, or talk to you about is like, what it, what happens to the PGL if the PGA Tour just flat out says like, absolutely not interested? Do they then swing back the other way to, uh, yeah. okay, cool, I guess then we'll get the war chest out and we'll try to just pick I, off your best guys and figure it out. Why does the PGA Tour need the PGL? Why can't they set up this That's structure? That's what I was going to say. That was going to be the last thing I was going to say was what what's to stop the tour from looking into the, like taking a meeting, looking under the hood of this and poaching it into what would probably be a much worse version of... That's a great question. And I think like some a, of it's just a lack of creativity or a lack of like motivation to do so, right? They, they, again, they want to keep the status quo. They want to keep... Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it too is, and I, I understand why this happens, but a lot of, I think shifting to something like this is essentially... You know, I don't think you can do this and the FedEx Cup, right? Like, I think yeah. I think you'd have to almost blow it all up. And to your point, Solly, like, I don't see a huge reason to do that. The only thing that really feels like it can force the hand of that would be like cratering ratings or cratering yeah. like when a, the idea of a big ass media deal goes away, then all of a sudden it gets interesting. But until then, it's just it's very. They were just able to sell this package yeah. for you know a seventy five percent increase or yeah. whatever. Like I, I doubt they're looking at like oh all right now we gotta like flip the whole script right. of our of our structure. So which I mean I think too there's there's a certain element of like like when this new TV deal does kick in like maybe the product sucks that much more and like people do start switching off right. I mean I mean like think about the tour like we're talking about an organization that for the last five years like has has had a barely working app. Their website sucks. Like they're sure, online, but. like having confidence in them to, to think outside the box or even or even just just evolve on anything is is like I think that's even giving them too much credit. And that's right? that's where I'm at on like this the the current tour evolving into a very fan friendly engage a product. Yeah. When they just sold this tournament schedule to these people for this much money, it seems like they they that set things back even further. And I don't know. I I, I get kind of where this the PGL guys are at in terms of wanting to work with the tour, but I, I and I think that the best case scenario for golf fans or for those of us that are kind of rooting for this structure is like the tour continues to not answer the phone calls and then PGL says, All right, well we'll go we're yeah. gonna go poach guy. We're going back to the poaching model. And that's more that seems more likely to happen than the tour. Do you guys would you and estimate in, that? And instead of everybody getting getting their cut of equity, the only the top forty eight guys are gonna get their, their yep. cut of equity yeah. for being the right place at the right time. Yeah, kind of the whole thing makes my head spin on on both sides. There's a couple other like little wrinkles as well, like the like for instance the in the UK Sky's contract is coming up, and Discovery wants in on that. They own the rights, to, you know, basically for the rest the of international the world. Yeah, rights, except right? except for the UK. Yeah, and Sky is owned by NBC Universal. Yeah. So how does that work? You know, how does the tour balance those two things? I think I think it's going to be super interesting to see what what things look like without the fall series or or you know having those events not count for FedEx Cup points because seemingly that's also going to be a big cornerstone. The fall is going to be a big cornerstone of whatever the tour is going to roll out as far as international events as well, right? Yeah. So if the tour is playing in Australia, you know, three maybe three events in Asia and maybe you know one or two in the Middle East or in the UK like Which that's what I don't get is that man yeah if the chorus from 
these top players is just I want to play less, but like I'm playing too many fucking events. Yeah. I don't know that it's like, hey, what if man, you could welcome play to, and travel. Yeah, welcome to. What if you could spend Thanksgiving in Australia? Yeah, <laughs> but it's so it's you know it's like, hey, we're not going to do the fall series anymore, to where you feel like you're getting lapped, but also you have to go play these. Like it's it's just biting. It's the like hand the, that truly like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I going back, like I don't think there's. A, there's there's nothing imminent here, right? That that's a, a a source we talked to this week too, which is like very casually, just like yeah, in like ten to twenty years, who knows what this might look like? And I was like, ah, come on, man, I'm kind of looking for <laughs> yeah. 2022 here. Come but, on, but this is where like the seeds get planted. Yeah, maybe it's a 2025 thing, maybe it's a 2026 thing of of you know because because let's say out of this 700 million dollar contract, you know, uh, rights deal that like. Not enough money flows to the players. Like I like like personally, I thought the PIP stuff was almost insulting to the top players. Like, hey, we're going to carve out forty million from this, you know, one point whatever billion dollar pot, and like we're we're going to give this to you guys, but only ten of you are going to get it, and you know, each guy's going to get on average four million dollars. Like that's that sucks, right? It's not, it's not great. Yeah, it, it's not needle moving, I wouldn't think. That was but. another thing Phil said in that. I keep shouting out this podcast, but he essentially said the same thing. Just like, yeah, cool. Like That's it's like very, a shiny object. Like, that's very there. nice of you, but like that's not what we're talking it's about like, Where's here. the money? Yeah, yeah. The, I, I still, I, I don't think that there's just a ton of money sitting, or a ton of money like being funneled to places that aren't the players, right? I mean, it costs like... Whatever it costs to run the PGA Tour for the year, something like three quarters of a billion dollars, right? So Phil's comparison of like NBA, NFL revenues are different than they are. In and the golf. accounting is totally different because yeah. they're they're funneling money through these individual events, and then those are inherently nonprofits as well. I was going to say we haven't really talked about the charitable component, yeah. which is yeah. I forget what the the actual, and I don't know how they do all this accounting and all, all that stuff, but I forget when I was working at the tour, I, I remember it. Definitely blew my mind just how long it took them to get to $1 billion of charitable giving and then how long it took them to get to $2 billion. Because it was something like, you know, it took like 65 years, <laughs> 50 years, something like that to get to to get to get $1 billion, And it took like seven years to get to $2 billion. So like a lot of this money is, I mean, that's just the way the tour is set up. And I know many people will, again, roll their eyes at that. But there is a ton of that money is going out the door in charitable endeavors yeah. too and also you know i would say that they're probably being i think pretty pretty aggressive with their accounting so i i just pulled up the 2018 financial statements for the tour total revenue 1.4 billion dollars salaries other compensation employee benefits 141 million dollars so that's that'd be monahan all the execs all the different tournament directors all the different people that work on the individual tournaments all the employees they, all the media people but, but are they counted in that because a lot of the they're, tournament directors because are they're separate, their own because they're their own entities yeah if their events not run by the tour i could well, i could go to part nine column a lines five through ten and, and, and give you a full, <laughs> more full answer there but yeah. total fund rate like total other expenses uh 1.1 billion dollars which so all the purses would fall under expenses and all that like you know i think at some point like i just have no doubt that like knowing everything i know about tim fincham and the Dean Beeman book, like golf's driving force, like this, like there's a lot of like dead bodies under the house, <laughs> like not literal dead bodies, but you know, you guys know what I mean. Like there's some there's some skeletons in the closet. Happy Halloween shit. You know? <laughs> I cannot cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> it's obviously very very complicated. Don't know where things go from here, other than I just I, I think where it's all so. 
on the SGL versus PGL, again, like the SGL thing is like a totally different strategy, and that's what we're going to hear a lot about. And they are going, and they are on a tight timeline. They're, this thing is the trains leaving the tracks, as I've mentioned. PGL seems to be a, on a on no timeline of any kind, if we can say, and probably not going to be what we hear about in the in the coming they have, months. They, they have still said, I think they've been repeatedly saying they're targeting their first event for January 2023. So that date is out there, whether yeah. that's fungible and whether, I, I don't know how that works, but just for context, that's what they have said. So, I mean, basically giving them the same treatment, like pros. Well, I think... You know, again, starting with the with the players. I mean, I think it's it's interesting to think about this. And so, let me let me start with this: that all these pros and cons that we're talking about assume some sort of partnership, and assume basically like yeah. the PJ Tour signing off, like turn the keys. Let's let's go with uh, what you're proposing here, which is obviously fairly unlikely that it'll be that simple. But let's just, for argument's sake, let's talk about it in that way. So, I think the first pro is that both like the stars and the rank and file players are seemingly earning more money uh, without having to jump ship or nuke the tour or any force any kind of uh, bans or any kind of stuff like that. I think it's interesting to think about the idea of, you know, these top players earning what they say is kind of their market value, whereas the rank and file players have a very clear path to do the same thing. And it, it I'm sure Andy could talk more about their ideas on, you know, promotion and relegation and how that stuff would work. But it seems like a pretty objective system yeah. rather than just the Saudi thing, which seems very like, cool, man, like you've got the look or you've got the, you know, whatever, like we'll say, here's $20 million, like we'll sign you <laughs> other than Kokrak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey. And and uh, Abe Abe also sounds like somebody that's, no, that's Abe, Abe's got the look a little bit. No, I know, I know. Yeah, he's really got the look. I think like some of his some of his fellow players have called him dishonest Abe based what? on some of his talks with the Saudis. What I'm getting at, I don't think Kokrak has the look. He seems like an arbitrary <laughs> place to spend money. But point is, I I think that gets much more into the uh, kind of F1 like who's your dad and what did he do for a living. Mm -hmm. Cool, you're on my team. Listen, sort of keep Lance Stroll out of there. Sort of, <laughs> sort of vibe than just an objective like you know, Patrick Cantley. You're not the most exciting player in the world, but you're clearly among the best players in the world. So like, welcome to the PGL, which I think is interesting, and and I would say a pro for more players than it's a con. But if if, if it's fully team stuff, it could be the team owner basically saying like, it's possible, yeah. Hey, I, I like this guy, even though he's 88th in the ranking, and yeah. that's where I I don't know how which how that stuff would shake out. I think another pro is probably the potential, much like you were saying with the sponsors, just to be like a much more global superstar, right? I think if you're just playing in more events, I, I almost feel like this stuff is a little exponential, right? Where it's like you can take all the best players and put them in the WGCs, but if the events aren't exciting and they're not actually world events and they're in Akron and they're in, you know, Miami and Austin and all these like US cities, like, yeah, you're probably not going to grow the international fan base that much. Whereas if you, do take all those best players and you do move them around the world. I think it does turn into much more like there was that great F1 thread going around about, you know, how these events just turn into like actual true events, which I'm sure you can speak to Solly, but. And you can, you can treat them like, like real athletes and, and there's, there's actual storylines and there's actual, like they're employees of this thing and you can do whatever you want as far as the storylines and as far as covering it like a real sport instead of just all these guys are gentlemen. Right. A couple more on the pros for players list. I think, again, we mentioned this, but no conflicts with the majors is a very big deal. No threat of a ban is a very big deal. Having a set schedule, 
I think is both, I put that both in my pros and cons list. I mean, it's, it's a big deal to know that, okay, I know I have to play these 18 events, no ifs, ands, or buts. If I'm having a kid, I can't take the week off. I still need to be at the event is a, a very, like, that's a huge deal. But it's also very nice to just know like, oh my God, that means I have however many weeks off every year and I have a four month off season and I have all these times that like, I know I'm not, I'm not playing golf. I heard, I mean, how good was John Rahm talking about that on the podcast this week where he's just like, dude, it was like two straight years where I just didn't rest at all. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. I think there's something as far as like immediacy, I think there's a chance to be like the the face of like a founding team. You know, I think if, if you look at like, I don't know nearly enough about soccer, premier league, champions league, any of that stuff, but I would imagine all those teams have like their legacy dudes, right. Who are kind of the founding members of that team. You see it in football where like you still talk about so many of those, you know, the Johnny Unitas's and like people like that, that that are kind of like the face of, of those teams. And I think the other big one is just, I, I, it could be more events, right. That, that these guys are playing, but it's also 54 whole events instead of 72 whole events is a pretty key distinction. I've, I've definitely been deep on this block of like, man, other than the majors, I'm not dying to watch golf on a lot of Thursday afternoons. Like I'm just, I'm just not, if I'm being realistic, I've, I've, or maybe these are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday events and, and they're in prime time, you know, or something like, like there's, there's, there's much less, rigidity or structure to what they have to do schedule-wise. There was the going to the Formula One race kind of made me think too of like, what? Not everyone playing on this day at this golf course at this event needs to be playing for the same thing. Like they have Formula Four, they have women's series races in between practice sessions and all that stuff. And like it flows for the people that are just like there to watch racing. Like, ah, it's kind of cool. Like there go the women and there, oh, there's a crash on turn one. What if like the you know if this it's PGL like festival, thing, you have right. forty eight these forty eight dudes are doing their team thing and then like the right behind them are like the dudes that are playing for the stroke play tournament yeah and like on one side of the golf course you know it could be you know maybe it's forty eight guys on each side and like you don't have to have you know that's a way of merging like all of this stuff right and that's very interesting I mean that, the whole time I'm thinking like dude how could they not have tournaments where they're weaving women in in but like into these events like they have the the wgc's are 80 people like there's you could have 50 women on the other side of the golf course if you wanted to and just think about that just from a like the chance of of just like women always talk about or the women's game i should say always talks about like i remember mike Wan talking about what a big deal it is to be on network tv right if you have like if you have them going off on the other side of the golf course or you have them going off on a Friday or, or whatever, just think about like the chance you have of moments, whether it's like hole in ones, whether it's a, you know, some kind of great interaction, whether it's whatever. And and you start to do the math on like, you can only speed golf up so much. You can only make it so exciting, especially when you get down to the, down the stretch and you're on the 18th hole. Like, you know, there's going to be 15 minutes while they're playing that hole. And there's going to be about 60 seconds of action. Right. And you have a lot of time to fill. And that's just another, yeah. it's a good time filler on a big stage is what I'm trying to get at. Cons for players, what I see, it basically what I said about the set schedule, it, it, the inflexibility of the schedule. I know Rory spoke about that and loves being able to, you know, say, hey, I, I play when I want and I don't when I don't. And uh, that's a big deal. And then the other thing is like, you know, just to speak very realistically about this, we've talked a ton about media deals and, 
these guys need to be mic'd up and these guys need to be doing this and they need to be doing more social stuff. They need to be doing blah, 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 blah. Like that's, that takes a toll on players. And right now they make a fuckload of money without having to do any of that stuff. And so if I'm one of the top players in the game, I think that's a big one. I would circle just as, Hey, it's a lot more money, but it, it does come with, with a cost. As far as pros and cons for fans, I'm happy to report I, I have more pros on my list than I did for the mm-hmm. for the SGL. I think the team aspect is super interesting. For sure. Right? A chance to build a new media deal kind of around those those top guys, almost to take like the best parts of the existing media deal while also building out, you know, like I, I keep saying, you know, mic'd up players is a very, very obvious example of something that would be great. Well, it's like everybody has a... Like there's a midfield battle. There's like it's it gives you the the wherewithal to kind of keep track of everything a little bit better versus it being 154 guys and and you can maybe keep track of 15 of those guys. Instead, it's going to be hey, you know what? These guys are here's the bottom of the mix race late in the season. You know what? The bottom four guys are getting relegated. Or- well, it'd be sick to be like God. Red Bull's got to drop Kucher, man. Like they, <laughs> he is just killing that team. They got you know Ludwig is <laughs> Ludwig right, guy. Ludwig guy is Ludwig coming up the, the ranks. They gotta, we gotta, we gotta replace him. He's got to come in. Yeah, but he loves his like that. There are so many layers to like. Just think about when Matt Kucher's. I'm just using him as an example. His decline started in stroke play. Did you really? notice it like for a while you'd be like ah whatever happened to that guy kind of whereas like we can tell you all about what Nikita Mazepin has done as the lowest rated driver in Formula One this year because like you have the context for it if it's all contained within a set number of people versus this uh whole system yeah I mean that those are obvious I think for for fans it goes back to like context Right. There's there's well, that's there's what, so much more context. I know I've, I've mentioned this on the pod before, but one of my favorite things Randy ever said about the pod on the pod was he was talking about watching the memorial on like a Thursday or Friday afternoon. And he was talking exactly about this, just a lack of context. And he, he's like, I sit down to watch it and it just turns into like, hey, man, well, you, you're watching some golf here, huh? All right. Well, how about a uh, John Rom shot? Here you go. Hey. All right, you like that? How about a uh, Ricky Fowler shot over here? Oh, pretty cool. Oh, let's check back in on what Rob's doing. And it's just like this, it, it feels like the wallpaper, you know, the the screensaver just bouncing off the, the sides of the of the screen. It's just totally aimless on those early, those early rounds. And I don't know how you do that without, I don't know how you fix that, I should say, without some sort of mic'd up element, some sort of like, contained you know trying a little yeah bit. some well something you can get, like, get your arms around you can't get your fucking arms around it we can't even get them to field. cover the cut on yeah. friday afternoons and that's like the most obvious storyline you could possibly have and yeah i mean we could you can there's tons of pros for fans and, and all of this i think it just comes down to like we're not as big of a part of this equation as yeah. we'd like to think we are it, it, until players are upset with how fans get treated they're which is not even close uh, you know, this all can make perfect sense to us and is not going to be how potentially how pro golf plays out just be- because of that. I mean, and I think the only con I'll mention from a, a fan perspective, just to be as balanced as possible here is I think it's a totally legitimate. I don't agree with it, but I think it's a totally legitimate gripe that like maybe pro golf shouldn't be turned into just a entertainment circus, right? Like maybe there's a lot of people who love the 156 guys, 72 holes, stroke play. That's going to be the way that we identify the best champion. And it's great that number 156 can beat number one on any given week. There's a lot of people who love that. Uh, I think it's pretty boring to have 50 of those events a year. But, you know, I could see that as a con as well. There's nothing stopping these guys from 
showing up at the John Deere Classic either. Well, that's assuming what I'm the say. John it's, Deere Classic's not one of the yeah. 18 events. If they want to go play other, that's like the NASCAR guys going and playing in the you know dirt track series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's about all I got. That that pretty much exhausts my list. I just at the bottom line, if you took anything from this, the Saudi League and the PGL are two radically, radically different things. Vastly different things, and I am extremely confused by everything, right? Because it is, like I said, so much smoke, it's really hard to see. It's like going into a, a house that's just been burning. Like, I don't know where the fire started, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, the, if there, maybe there's some flames in there still burning. I don't know what they are. It just seems like there's so much smoke, and when you clear it all out, there's it's not a ton there in terms of, like, it, uh, the best way I can sum it up, there's not some huge secret alliance where everyone's getting ready to jump. Yeah. Like, it is very undecided how this is going to play out. A lot of the people involved in this or close to being involved with it or think you'd be the ringleaders are as confused as to what is going on as we are relaying to you. It is just, it is unclear behind the scenes as to who is going to be doing this, if anyone. And the strategy of the Saudi league to roll out Norman and probably be announcing some golf courses soon, probably be releasing a schedule soon. I don't know if they have even one single commitment and if they don't other than Kokrak, of course. <laughs> you know, when if they're trying to just like bully their way into getting people to commit, I really don't know. I, I hope that's clear in all this. It's like, uh, I know, there's been times during the, uh, the past couple of years where I feel like we've all been like, yo, this is a getting ready to pop off. And I'm not sitting here saying that right now. You know, I, well, I think it. I think it is getting ready to pop off, but I think the pops are much smaller than we thought they were going to be. The league is popping off, it's yes. just not the players necessarily yeah. that we know or that we're, I don't know. It's, di- it's diet pop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We are, the Butterfield is coming to a close here. Uh, Lucas Herbert has a one-shot lead over Reed as we go to wrap up. We want to do a little what's in the bag, and then we'll uh, talk a little Butterfield and see if that has wrapped up. Solid. What's you tell us? What's well, in the bag? Usually, it's what's in the bag, but we this is not directly in the bag. All right, we're going to do you know we do these sections where we talk about some kind of club or change we've made in our bags, but we you know we've we've done some ads for Quater in the past. We've never really fully talked about like how how one how great Quaters are and how often we're wearing them. At least for me, like that's why I wanted to do this one today. I wear the Legend pretty much every round of golf. Extremely comfortable shoe. Looks extremely stylish. Uh, I probably need a fresh pair because mine are starting to stink a little bit because they get worn so much. But also, the daily, the best possible name for a shoe you could have. I wear them. Get this, daily. Uh, I'm wearing a pair right now. DJ's got his on right now. They've got like this knit pair that, you know, uh, or I guess what is what is these make mesh? I don't know what. what Yours are different. There's there's different new iterations. There's there's mesh, there's knit, there's uh, like a plaid kind of thing. Uh, you know, and I think also like this is kind of what's in the bag. It's just what's in the travel bag. Mm, sure. When you're there traveling, you go. The well, wool- I actually wear mine while, while I'm traveling. They're very, they're great airport shoes. The slip wool on ones, yes, they're slip yeah. on, slip off. The wool ones are my favorite. I'm on, I think probably my fourth or fifth pair of those because I do uh, wear them on the reg. I, we just wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Quater for that. They, Neil, uh, Neil wears the money makers like crazy. I, the legends are my are, are my rain shoes. Like they're impenetrable mm-hmm. uh, as far as. Uh, moisture which i didn't used to like so you look at those shoes they look big and boxy i didn't never liked wearing those golf shoes or didn't i never desired to wear them but that's not how they feel they're some of the most comfortable yeah. golf shoes i've worn probably uh, the best grip of any golf shoe I very true because i've got i've got a little and slip and slide i'm swaying too much in my swing i can tell and uh you, you need a good pair of sturdy sturdy golf cleats so what other golf news do we want to chat about 
Bell Reeve. Oh, yeah, huge news emerging out of St. Louis. <laughs> Bell Reeve to host the 2030 uh, President's Cup. I, I can't. This is no offense to no offense to the President's Cup. No, that's all I know. You ride hard for the President's I'm Cup. A big days. President's Cup. No guy. offense to anyone. I can't tell you how excited I was for the last two hours of conversation and all these like potential shakeups. Imagine the exact opposite of that. It's just like, what if I told you? This year that you know we're going to the Quill Hollow for the Presidents Cup on the on the horizon, Bell Reeve, like get the fuck out of here. No thanks. Unsubscribe. Where's the next US one? I don't know if they uh, announced Ma- it. Is it Medina? Oh, Medina, Medina. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Which you know, listen, maybe the Presidents Cup goes by the wayside because you know we'll see. We'll see. Biggest news of the week on my end was was. Use golf facts. Oh, of course. 180 Back. hours of video. Uh, <laughs> forensic. Forensic videographer went in and really, you know, got down to the nitty gritty uh, and, and said that, you know, basically came up with the conclusion that uh, Golf Channel's replay of P's sand fiasco down in the Bahamas was digitally altered. Wow. Do you believe that shit? Yeah, I do. 100%. <laughs> it changes what I think about it. Um, Again, I I am not casting stones because we're not in press conferences asking questions or, or any of that stuff. Hilarious to me. The guy is, what would you say, he's one shot off the PJ Tour event? Correct, Lead yes. right now? This is clearly a burner that has been tied directly to him. Like, tweets from this account have accidentally gone out on his own account, <laughs> shitting all over Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, all kinds of different players. Now we have him... A, in like her or her well and then there's a whole Jay. there's a lot of the only real journalism in this is being done by all these burner accounts that are diving into you know where the recovery email for the yeah the recovery email for the for the account and Wikipedia. whether it's whether it's actually like his father-in-law or his his wife the, the point is it's clearly tied to somebody in reed's orbit and i to my knowledge i don't think he's ever been asked a question about it and it's like here's your your family or at your agency or your somebody inc- like accusing the tour's largest broadcast partner of digitally <laughs> altering footage in which you're live, yeah, in which you are like, which they, like they they don't even have the budget to show sh- like shots most <laughs> I was of the time. Gonna say. And maybe it's just like total lunacy, but this is just it's one of those things that I'm like, dude, if this happened in any other sport, it's all anybody would talk about. And in golf, it's just like, oh well, you know, I guess you know. We'll see. What's, what else and is on? There was, you know, uh, people found earlier this week that that used golf facts was going on to all the Patrick Reed uh, Wikipedia pages and scrubbing it of of any sort of controversy. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. it could be like the Zodiac though. There could be there could be used golf facts is kind of a brand now. That's true. Like there could be all kinds of used golf facts that could be just a a username that you try to lock up in other spots now. Wikipedia, how you know you're getting the best information? Anyway. Anyone can update they it. Caught the Zodiac, or they tracked him down. Did you guys see that? I did. Yeah, I did. Which you know what, Jay? You know, is it a coincidence? Jay went to Bermuda with P. She's just sitting there, probably probably sipping on stuff at the at the Fairmont Southampton or whatever. Jay Justine, not Jay Monahan. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Little Jay, not Big Jay. Yeah. Which yeah, I don't know how he got to the top of the leaderboard unless they with some. Uh, we didn't see much of the footage on the way on the way up. I don't know if it, if he even could be digitally enhanced. Mm. He shot he shot sixty five, just or, really really strong. But did he? People are saying uh, Scott Stallings is is in contention for a Ken Duke like round yeah. today. Sixty two, three clear of the best in the field, and probably you know six or seven clear of the uh, average today. Unbelievable. 
What was? Do we want to talk about Bermuda just as sure in, on a macro, not the not the island, the tournament, the Butterfield? It's uh, kind of wild that maybe intentional or unintentional that like the Saudi stuff pop ish off this week against like truly one of the biggest messes of a tournament in terms of filling out a field I think I've ever seen. Like in, like this is the example of what we're talking about being too many events, being a bunch of guys that like do not move the needle, playing for whatever money. And like trimming this exactly out of the equation. Tommy Armour the third declined <laughs> a spot in the field. And I can't. Yeah. So a couple things. I, I know. I feel like I shit on this event pretty hard at the end of last week's podcast, which I I will stand by. I don't shit on any of the people playing in it. I I get it. Oh it's, yeah. Of course. It's it's a very uh, like would play would would show up. It's, it's been it's, entertaining with the with the conditions. Yes. Too. And. It's it's kind of funny that you know the winner of this gets a master spot and a full FedEx Cup points like the same as, you know they get the the winner of this event gets five hundred FedEx Cup points in an event where they couldn't even fill out the field like they Which, didn't. Even, it's all you want to talk about manipulation. But I guess that's because they canceled the. This the, ain't even close. I think it. it's because they canceled the China event. I, I think that was. I think that's why. But it, it's just it, yeah. Talk about just talk about an answer to question nobody's asking here. I think is is kind of. How I sum up this event. I mean, people are asking, hey, how do I find a tax haven? How do I launder my money? <laughs> All that stuff. Butterfield's your answer. Strength of Field is a 68 this week, which is... Out of, uh, out of 70? Which is pretty... Uh, <laughs> it, let, let's see. It's pretty much kind of the strength of field that you'll get on the Europe... Like the, the la- five of the last like seven European Tour events have been less than this one. Which so. have been very weak European Tour events, to be fair. This would be like the bottom bottom rung of the PGA Tour. I think this this is not your case of manipulation. If that's what, if that's what if that's what you're angling for here. So, but they they would have needed to it's reach. Not not manipulation though. It. Uh, I'm trying to think what the strength of field number is to to actually clear where you don't default to the minimum first. So this is one of the rare PGA Tour events that defaults to the minimum of 24 first place points to uh, the winner of the event. So they're manipulating. So th- this. It depends. Uh, that's getting, interesting. They're, they're getting more points than they would otherwise. So technically, if that's the case, then the European tour is manipulating way worse than you'd care to admit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can find common ground. Because <laughs> I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Uh, 20 European tour events this year that have defaulted to that. So it's a lot. Anyways, um, anything else in Bermuda? Well, we had we had like a crazy uh, Lauer. Yeah, Lauer. He's he's fallen off a little bit here in the final round. Uh, Lauer Hard K is back from the uh, back the from abyss? the brink. Uh, Lauer is currently he's playing 18, but he's currently two over on the day. Mm. Had kind of a tough 15 and 16. Uh, I wanted to talk about a Patrick Flavin. The uh, is it Flavin or Flavin? I don't know. Flavin. Flavin. Uh, the uh, he's actually a Miami of Ohio alum. Uh, <laughs> Mondayed his way in, and he's he's looking like he's going to finish top twenty. T seventeen had kind of a tough tough Sunday, plus one on Sunday, but uh, you know really really played well. Big ass payday for him. That and, Ludwig guy, T fifty one. Exactly, he's coming. Congratulations. He's coming. And then uh, I think also like the split, the AM PM split. On Thursday was insane. It was it was like hurricane conditions on on Friday or on Thursday, and the guys that went out in the morning got absolutely eviscerated, and the guys that went out in the afternoon were like, 
It was a breezy, breezy walk in the park. I like watching this golf course. I think it's fun. I think there's some weird, funky little change of direction holes, elevation change that actually shows up on TV. I, I, I think it's a, it's a fun little. Uh, you called them like, like very un PGA tour like holes, yeah. which is I think refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The guys are hitting, you know, the greatest compliment. <laughs> uh, cutting corners and stuff, and I don't know. I think this tournament's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, the field this week. Biggest yeah. takeaway, otherwise, peas pants. <laughs> What's they, up like, there? Po- possibly digitally altered pants. <laughs> like, what the? They were. I mean, Granny's. He's wearing black. He's wearing dark socks with crazy, crazy shoes, and then his pants aren't even getting within six inches of of the tops of his shoes. Is that legal? Are they technically shorts? Like they could be capris. Well, they could be. It's Bermuda. It could be where the you know the shorts with the long socks. <laughs> With the suit jacket, exactly. you see that them yeah. that commercial. Exactly. Maybe it's because he's just buying stuff from big Dick's safari and it's, hat, and it's getting it's getting it's shrinking. It's possible. You know. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was my big takeaway from uh, Bermuda was just like how bad, how poorly dressed he was. <laughs> the last thing I had was just the uh, Dubai night event on the Ladies European Tour. I watched a little bit of that. That was good viewing. Looked like some funky. So I always wonder, like, when you get off the reservation on, when they were playing under the lights. How do you see anything? Like you're, I saw who was uh, I forget her name that was under a tree or something. Like literally playing from the dark over there. It's like how do you play golf shots when you when you literally can't see? Uh, it's very interesting, interesting golf. Which tournament. we're gonna do a little bit of that. Uh, we're gonna have a closest to the pin at our NIT event this this coming weekend. Uh, I believe either Friday or Saturday. I think it's Friday night. Uh, after after the first two rounds, we'll do 36 the first day. Uh, we're we're going to do a glow-in-the-dark uh, glow balls uh, close to the pen. Hell yeah. Awesome. What's the what's the distance you got to take off the glow ball? 10 15%? I don't know. We did it at Coins event. It it felt like probably like 10 or 15%. Yeah. And, and the ball didn't spin at all either. Mm. So we're doing it from back of 9 green to 12 green over the trees. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then we're going to put the put the pin like on the slope so you can, you can kind of use run, a feeder. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and then you know we've got a couple pros playing. Huber, Lauren Coglin as well. It's going to be it. So the NIT is our Nest Invitational Tournament. It's the culmination of all the uh, events we have through our uh, Nest membership platform. If you're interested, you can go to nolangup.com slash join. Uh, do it now because then you can get involved with the, uh, the 2022 member gift, which will be coming out in the beginning of the year. Neil could tell you a lot more about this as well. But a lot of events have been held all over the country, and winners and qualifiers from all those will be coming together here in Jack's at Jack's Beach. Uh, this coming week for our second annual tournament. We're very excited about that. So and we've got Taurus Sauce Grand Rapids. Big one. Big one this week. At three. Yep. Episode three, Grand Rapids. And then we've got the loop. And then we've got Kingsley Club after that, just to mark your calendars for upcoming episodes, uh, upco- upcoming podcasts we got. Who could say? Yeah. We Mike DeVries coming on this coming week to chat um, about, you know, his, his footprint in golf architecture in the state of Michigan. Uh, and his career and what he's got going on down in uh, Tasmania as well and all kinds of stuff. Has so. he? Uh, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to hype it up too much, but I think Grand Rapids was like one of my favorite days of. Uh, it was really good. Tourist sauce we've ever done. Yeah. So I agree. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna go down as one of my favorite episodes too. I'm Wednesday. I'm very pumped about it. Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. You can find that there uh, if you want to be a part of the live premiere, and it'll be there forever as well. So. Quick, quick around the horn section. Sure. Do you see what you burn it on? I, I want to give a big, big pat on the back, Corn Ferry Tour, for getting uh, Corn Ferry Tour uh, Q School final round uh, televised, or mm. I, I think it's live on, streaming. I think, it. I think it's on yeah. NBC Sports Gold, not on the cock for some reason. 
Uh, next Sunday, ten to four uh, from from the Landings Club in, in Savannah. I think that's a it's one of the best like coolest days of golf out there. Guys are truly playing for their livelihood, and, and I applaud them for showing it. Hell yeah. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Neil. We played a, uh, a Hickory event this week at the Winter Park Nine. Shout out to our, our friends at Louisville Golf uh, for some rental clubs on that one. But it was uh, it was blast. Neil hit the shit out of the ball. It looked like the '97 Masters out there. There's all these <laughs> like uh, it's uh, you know it's a bit of an older field. I'll, I'll I'll say very welcoming field. It was great to meet a bunch of new people. But uh, they're kind of kind of slapping it around, and Neil's absolutely just complete aerial attack with the hickories like. It just the crack of the bats just ringing out around the golf course. It was it was very cool. So and shout then, out, and then he got attacked by ants, and he got a legitimate fire ants uh, situation. Uh, I posted that on on the NLU Instagram, uh, giving a, a heartfelt apology to Bryson, saying that we had no idea what was, you know, what was uh, really, you know, at risk here. And Bryson, you know, very very cordially came back in the DMs. Just said, you know, I, I huh. was trying to tell you guys. You guys just tough it out, though, right? <laughs> had a nice, fun little back and forth with him. But, and then I'll also give a shout out to I saw uh, Last Night in Soho, uh, Edgar Wright movie this weekend. It was awesome. Go check it out. Uh, I don't really, I'm, I wasn't prepared for the around the horn section. I just want to give a shout out to Fall. Uh, yeah. Fall and Jax, we got the, the sliding doors of our house open this weekend and sit back watching football and not a crazy travel schedule right now. Um, is the time time of the year it's nice to be nice to be in Jax and uh, I'm very very excited about it. Are you so, guys dressing up tonight? I didn't, I didn't do the whole dress up. You got a costume? I have to. I have kids. Yeah. You what know? are you going to be? I'm Mr. Incredible. Oh, that's a big one. Right. Uh, Freddie was Captain America last night. I don't know if he's changing it up tonight or whatever. I thought about doing the Urban Meyer. He's Patrick Reed for uh, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, Urban Meyer where you strap like a a blow up doll to your waist. Oh my god! <laughs> Put your hand down there. You got a headset on. You got the the red Ohio State, you know, pullover on. That would have been provocative in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do the Greg Norman and just be in a bathing suit with uh, like a see through <laughs> bathing suit, basically you could, walking down the beach. You you, you could almost chop your your uh, hand off. <laughs> that's all. That's true. true. Made it through this whole podcast with no references to saws or. Greg Norman almost cutting his own arm off. Pretty impressive. Or just, just you know, Greg Norman's like thoughts on himself and and you know just yeah. the narcissism in play there. Almost made it. We almost. almost did it. So, all right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. This was uh, cathartic, I think, for uh, a lot of this. You know, for us to voice some of the things that we've heard going on behind the scenes, and really excited to see how it plays out. I guarantee there will be more on this in coming weeks and months. So, thanks Again, everyone for tuning in. Saudi league bad. PGL good. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about in? That is better than most. Better than most.